Hello and welcome to Bad Binges Podcast, episode 8, covering season 9 of the American version of The Office. I am your co-host, Laura, and this is my co-host slash mom, Trish. Hello, everyone. We are finally here at the last season of The Office. It's a sad, sad day. Sad day, but it just means that we get to start another show (laughs) next week. So so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to read the title and, you know, episode information from our trusty Wikipedia um, expert source, because <laughs> that seems to be helping us frame our show as we're kind of learning and getting into this and determining what to do. So, starting with episode one, title is New Guys, directed by Greg Daniels and written by Greg Daniels. Two new employees, Clark and Pete, are hired by the Scranton branch and cause trouble for Jim Halpert and Dwight Schrute. Andy Bernard returns home from manager training, hoping for revenge on Nellie Bertram. Oscar Martinez considers adopting Angela Martin's cat. Kevin Malone saves a turtle. Quote, saves a turtle. (laughs) Kelly Kapoor leaves for Ohio, and Ryan Howard follows after her. All right. (laughs) So the new employees, let's start there. Yeah. At first, I kind of got the vibe that do you remember the the season that started with interns? Right, right. That's the kind of vibe that I got at first. Um, but you kind of pick up throughout it, like, obviously, being that they're not really just in the opener or just in a seemingly short-term way presented in the same. What I'm trying to say is you can tell that they're going to be around for a while. Um, and these are some key characters who will hopefully be some fun for the season. And I also like how they they really are mirrors to Dwight and Jim. Yeah. Just in the younger version. It's like the new generation. It is really funny. Coming along. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. They're cute. Don't they end up calling um, Clark like Plop or something? something one of them's called related plop. To, to Dwight. To, I don't know. <laughs> no, the one they called Plop because of like a poop or something. <laughs> that was oh no. Hold on. Oh, let me let me look that up and make sure I got that right. Yes, okay, so Andy calls him Plop because they say that he poops a lot. Um, and this is this is Pete. It's so crude. <laughs> it's, it's awful. But this is Pete, so this is the kind of Jim foil oh, okay, character. Okay. Um, and then Clark is the, the Dwight Schrute foil. But anyway, yeah, so we've got a nice storyline going with there with new characters. Um, and then, ooh. Sorry, we have our mascot, Cleo, again with us, as she'll always be with us during these episodes. She's currently enjoying a chew stick, so please pardon her chewing noises. Um, anyway, so Andy comes back and has this conflict now with Nellie, and it's just very uncomfortable. Like, I don't like it. Yeah, this is kind of weird when he returned from that manager training, right? And mm-hmm. and um, he he was, um, I guess, um, out for revenge, right? Yeah. To to get her back from taking over the the position. Um, yeah, this is kind of awkward. I, I think there are other parts to this episode that were my favorite, mm-hmm. like the most hilarious part, which was actually sort of short is Kevin explaining what he did over the summer. Oh, Kevin. And I just, every, every time the story changed or, he, or there was Ooh. one more piece to the story, I just laughed louder. <laughs> so it's sad. So Kevin runs over a turtle 
and he feels bad and he tries to fix it and he tries to fix the shell and he doesn't work and he's do using super glue and then he takes things from around the office and tries to fix the shell with that and then he breaks it again and then he puts like a big helmet kind of thing on it it was so sad but it was hilarious it's so rough but he's trying and he's just like a like a three-year-old trying to patch something like what are you thinking Kevin it reminds me of I think it was last season when Andy initially loses his position and there's the dog like pet or oh, SPCA right, right, event right. or whatever and they all get a dog and Kevin's dog he's like she doesn't move or anything. She just lays there, and she smells really bad. And all these, everybody else in the office is like, oh, my God, Kevin. Like, is your dog dead? Dog passed away. Um, but then, you know, you get that last shot of him at home, and he's talking to the dog, and it, it looks like it's just sitting there sleeping, and then it jumps up and starts licking his face. So, you watch it. so going into this, like, with the turtle, my first assumption was like, oh, this is just another situation with Kevin. Is he going to fix the turtle? But then... <laughs> It's been Aww. dead since he first hit it. Yeah, and then when he oh, realizes Kevin. it, he kind of realizes it on camera while they're interviewing yeah. him, and his face kind of breaks up, and you're like, oh, poor oh, Kevin. Oh, my gosh. He's such a, like, he says things that, like, don't, like, you don't want to like him, and then he just it gets in these situations where you're like, oh, yes. Kevin, like, jeez. <laughs> That's a good part. Um, and then Kelly and Ryan leaving. I mean, just... They're just stuck in this cycle, and it's so sad because like Kelly almost gets out. Kelly almost gets out of it sometimes, but Ryan continues to pursue her, but like not, you know, he like love bombs her, where like he you know throws all the affection at her and then like takes it. Like it's such right. a toxic, awful like, right. relationship. So it doesn't. So she she's moving to follow her boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. And she's going to oh Miami God. University. <laughs> she thinks it's in Miami, Florida, but it's near us actually in in um, Oxford, Ohio. <laughs> and she's giving away all her coats. She's like, I'm never being in the cold again, you know, and giving away your coats. Yeah. And people are like, You're going to Ohio. Like, I remember when I went to when I went to school and I like, you know, was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm kinda near Miami, like I know where that is or whatever. Some people would be like, oh, my God. Like, I remember my roommates, like, we made fun of everybody who got letters from, like, Miami because, you know, they're all like, yeah, we're going to Miami. And it's like, yeah, you're going to the not fun Miami. You're yeah. going to the cold winter place in Ohio, not the fun, you Miami know. Fun Miami. Although, Florida I must coast. say, people who go to Miami love it. It is a fun place, apparently, it's, just it's not a, warm. It is quite a college town. If I ever saw one before, it is quite the party mm -hmm. school. A very work hard, play hard. But mentality. it's a great school, though. It's it is. It is. Really they school. call it the uh, the public Ivy. <laughs> is that what they that's, call it? That's what their reputation is. Well, they've got a great business school, and I'm sure other places. Hockey team, and well, anyway, they've got a, we're, they've we're got partial a because we we live so close to Miami. We love it. It's a, it's not a bad option if you want to go to a Miami and you great. can't go to that's Florida. That's right. It'll do it for you. That's right. But yep. Yeah, so she's giving away all her coats. <laughs> And then she, you know, realizes she's she not going to Florida. Oh. oh man! But I think, you know, it's it's sad to see the the characters start to leave, mm -hmm. knowing you know you know it's yet last season. Um, but at least it's sort of on a happy note, you know, that she's she's going to be doing something 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's a good it's a good for her personal life. You know, it's yeah. obviously a good decision, but it's sad to see such great characters leaving while they're all. I mean, gosh, who isn't a great character on this show? Everyone has a great, great um, role. Um, I this, think it's oh, gar- sorry. I was gonna, Go just going to talk about this is also the one where Angela is giving away one of her cats and. Oh, I yeah. couldn't quite figure it out till I realized this is the cat that I think Andy had gotten her way back. <laughs> Cleo, stop telling Cleo, me. Cleo, no. Tastes are good. Taste is so good. Here, Miss Cleo. Don't you hear? Have a lamb. Um, sorry, Cleo interruption. Mm-hmm. We should get a little sound that we can play for whenever she interrupts the show. Maybe just a little, a little Cleo a bark. Like a growl? You know, growl, Cleo? She's uh-huh. like, I'm doing pretty good right now. Uh, I'm just going to hug it out. Uh, hi, Graham. Hi, Graham. Uh, hi, Cleo. <laughs> please okay, maybe you ought to do the voice. <laughs> You'll do her voice when she starts making a noise. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, now she's going to I think it's, it's kind of... I don't know how I feel about it, I guess. They really start us out here with, like, a total... Um, like transition to like we know this is the last season we have the the second generation of jim and dwight coming through Mm -hmm. we have kelly and ryan essentially leaving the show right now we don't see them again for a while um we've got you know angela moving on from her her situation with andy and uh you know her well, she's married at this point. She's married. To yeah, Robert, but right? I think just kind of like fully whole... letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy and Nellie and like their conflict, which I know Nellie was in the previous season, but she's still a fairly new character, and Andy's been around for several seasons. And to to see him, you can tell he's on his downswing, and and we're about to say goodbye to Andy in a little bit, but well, at least to his uh, positive <laughs> presence on the show. But yeah, so it's kind of like a, you can tell we're wrapping things up here. Yeah, definitely. Should I move on to the next one? Um, okay. Second episode is Roy's Wedding. It is directed by Matt Sohn and written by Allison Silverman. Jim and Pam Helper are invited to Pam's former fiancé Roy Anderson's wedding. A toast that Roy gives leads Pam and Jim to search their relationship for buried secrets. Meanwhile, Dwight reacts to Nellie's mandatory charity initiative by maintaining that he will donate the money he raises to the Taliban, and Clark hits on Aaron Hannon by dangling a fake newscaster job, but Andy takes the bait. All right, we got a, this is a lot that happens here. Let's start with Roy's wedding. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember the toast, but I know, like, implications of this. Um, well, it's like they, you know, they're like, oh, he's probably going to serve hot dogs and whatever is the food at his wedding and because they're talking about pam's experience with roy where he wasn't you know a good partner to her and and wasn't you know in the wedding planning or anything like that but so they're like it's going to be some kind of podunk whatever and then they get there and it's like you know they're greeted with a glass of champagne it's a very elegant like Mm -hmm. black tie very nice uh wedding and they're kind of shocked and then he does the Roy does the toast for his wife and he starts playing a song on the piano for her that he like wrote for her and he'd been practicing to play piano Aww. just for her and Pam's like wait what, <laughs> like, what happened where here? was this person when I was trying to get married to him for okay. several years but you know that 
each relationship you have, hopefully you're learning. <laughs> each relationship you have, you're learning from it, and hopefully you don't make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just a knuck, you know, knucklehead. So it's good. I mean, you know he, that. He so learned he's what he learning. To learn. yeah, yeah, he he. You could tell he learned after the whole, you know, pan yeah. issue, not to take advantage, and and is really sort of cherishing. Yeah. This new relationship, so that's that's really good to see, but then yeah, then we but then we have the complication, and I had forgotten this, that Jim was starting his own business and he mm-hmm. didn't tell Pam. Like why? I don't know if that's I don't know if that's in this episode yet. Oh, it's I thought this was that was part of what oh, was maybe going it, on. Oh, maybe it was with the toast, and they're just they're trying to figure out their th- like there's something wrong between them, and can't, Pam can't figure mm-hmm. it out, and it's because Jim's keeping a secret from her, which yeah. he should not 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 be doing yeah because that's just gonna breed distress and and, and even though it's, it's a, for a good reason you, you don't it's not a good thing to do but it's um, like this is the first dose of reality they're kind of given i feel like they're usually in their own pam and jim bubble mm-hmm. and they you know go to the wedding and they're honestly kind of being mean like making fun of him and being like you know oh he's probably gonna have this crap wedding like whatever whatever and then they get there and he's you know grown and become a better person so they're kind of looking at each other like oh have we changed like have we gotten better you know what's something fun and new about us or what's something we don't know about each other um and that kind of puts them in a a unique shock but Dwight and the Taliban money I mean (laughs) This is, this, I don't even really remember this that much. I do remember the Taliban section, but just, like, it's such a classic Dwight. Like, just come on, to Dwight. Do, just to do the on. worst thing just to spite, yeah, just yeah, to spite her. Yeah. Just, but, but I think he claimed. He, oh, he wasn't yeah. going to do it. He just said, fine, I'll do it. And that's where I'm sending my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last section that we get is Clark hitting on Aaron by saying, you know, oh, I... I I want to audition you for this newscaster job. You know, let's get y'all dressed up and you'll come to my place later and, and I'll do like a camera. It's like so what creepy. A, what like, a creepy so thing. creepy. Yeah. And Aaron, of course, is like, oh, this is really cool. And Andy's like, this is a wonderful opportunity for you, Aaron. Like, you had to take advantage of it. And he gives Clark his credit card and says, take her to the mall, buy her whatever she wants. So Clark is like, heck yeah. And Aaron's like, okay, like, we'll go do that. But then they go to Clark's later. And Andy is taking over the situation and saying, you know, well, should you do it this way? Or, you know, she's got to be like this. Or, and then he pretty much just takes over the whole situation and ends up staying with Clark. And meanwhile, Pete, a.k.a. Plop, is there and he's like, hey, let's kind of, you know, <laughs> ditch this. Like, let's go get you some food. And he, like, gets to have a real, you know, genuine moment with Aaron, who he also is interested in. Mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah just a very sweet moment we kind of see another obviously the red-headed secretary the red-headed secretary and then the gym figure you know we get that kind of couple again i didn't even think of that yeah. yes you're mm-hmm. right but but she's going out with andy at this time yes she's so still with she's, andy yeah so there's kind of he's trying to which they, she there. doesn't go on a date with Pete, but he like takes her to go get food at the request of Andy because mm-hmm. she hadn't eaten. Um, so yeah, next episode. Well, this one too though. There was something else. Oh, Dwight and the Game of Thrones. <laughs> he tries to teach Aaron 
the language from the Game of Thrones so that she would sound smart when oh she met God. Andy's family or went to yeah had had uh, oh, met up Christ. with Andy's family. He's just something else. Where did that even come from? Dwight's perception of reality just must be so nice. Cleo. Wait, and is this the episode about, does this, is this, is this the one that opens up with the not Jim? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. That's a previous season, I believe. Um, Or maybe it is this season. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Anything else? Episode 3, Andy's Ancestry. This is directed by David Rogers and written by Jonathan Green and Gabe Miller. Andy brags about his discovery that he is related to First Lady Michelle Obama. Daryl Philbin finds his new job as assistant regional manager difficult. Dwight attempts to teach Aaron the Dothraki language from the HBO television series oh, Game of Thrones. That's this one. I thought it was the one before. <laughs> so Sorry. that she can impress. And that's okay. Dwight attempts to teach Aaron the Dothraki language from the HBO television series Game of Thrones so that she can impress Andy's educated family. Nellie and Pam bond, and Nellie tells Pam that Jim may be having an affair. Meanwhile, Jim reveals his plans of moving to Philadelphia. Okay, Cleo's (laughs) digging for vermin. Sorry. (laughs) To Daryl in the White House. I feel like we should clarify that there are no vermin here. That's just Cleo's. That's what we call when she does her digs. In the, that she's using the ancient um, inbred um, the ancient dog practice of clearing the area of whatever infests it so that they can nest I don't know okay she's a weirdo okay so this is the episode that opens with um, a guy um, Jim and Pam's friend sitting sitting in in the synopsis they called him an Asian man but Mm -hmm. sitting in Jim's chair and pretending like he's Jim and Dwight's like who are you and he goes I'm Jim I don't know who you're talking about and then he's he's like no you're not and he goes oh really then what did you do what sales did you make yesterday and the guy quotes the sales he made and then he gets up and he's like you're not Jim and he picks up the picture and he goes this is Jim picks a picture on Jim's desk and it is the guy mm-hmm. in the picture with Pam and the kids. <laughs> it is hysterical. <laughs> Started trying to gaslight him after all these years. He knows who Jim is, but he's like thinking, wait, what? It's a pretty crafty. It's, uh, it's funny. It's so funny. Open. Oh, my God. I love it. And I think they make some comment. Don't they make some comment where they're like, you just must be like blind to, or like colorblind or something, Dwight? I think they do. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway. So Andy learns that he's related to Michelle Obama. My favorite part of this episode was Nellie and Pam and their kind of talk as Pam is teaching Nellie how to drive. And they're kind of having girl talk and, and Pam's like, you know, I think he's hiding something from me, referring mm-hmm. to Jim. Mm-hmm. And Nellie immediately jumps to a fair and that makes Pam's brain just go oh no right oh shoot um right she knows something's wrong yeah because of what the gym secrecy with the Mm -hmm. job she knows something's wrong and that's where your mind jumps you Mm -hmm. know and and like she i think she knows inherently like that jim's not cheating on her and that he wouldn't do that to her but that also is like 
obviously something has to be that level of seriousness if he's keeping it from her mm-hmm. in her mind. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh no, like what, you know, what else could it possibly be kind of. Right. Um, but I like how her and her and Nellie get this opportunity to get to know each other better and we get a softer side to Nellie. Yeah. Next episode, episode four, Work Bus, directed by <laughs> Brian Cranston. Oh my God. And so do you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. It's the guy from Breaking Bad. Oh, that's a Brian Cranston. Great cool. show. I never, you know, well, that should might be it. Well, I don't know if I could do that show, but um, I always, I never wanted to watch that show until mm-hmm. I really started watching it, and yeah. I was just hooked. Ca- hooked. Yes. Good show. Well, he directs this, and then Brent Forrester wrote it. When Jim convinces Dwight that the building is unsafe due to a radiation leak, Dwight rents a bus and sets the office sets up the office inside. Meanwhile, Nellie asks Andy for a letter of recommendation in order to adopt a baby. Erin, meanwhile, gives her pointers on how to fill out a proper application for adoption. Jim tries to make Pam happy with some pie. This is such a sweet episode. With them going on their little adventure to go to the pie stand that oh, Jim okay. is kind of advocating for, for for Pam. Mm-hmm. And they get there and everybody, like, they're all in this group mission to, like, go get these pies because everybody knows them and they're so excited. And they're trying to get there in time before the stand closes. And I just think this is a really sweet episode and, and a, a good part of this final season here where you get to see the whole office really coming together as a team for... A silly but united cause. That's cute. I I think the whole episode, the whole um, premise of um, Jim is mad at Dwight because Dwight won't get the the I think it was um, some electrical things fixed in the building. So that's why he convinces Dwight that they all need to leave the building, and Dwight sets the office in a bus. <laughs> It's just it's, like, it's, Dwight. They will never stop. You know, they never, they will never stop aggravating each other. And after, I guess it was last season, right, where Jim saved Dwight's job, right? He was going to, if he went to a certain presentation, he was going to, Dwight was going to be fired and Jim literally wrestled him and kept him from going in. Yeah. But then here we are back in the same old fight between the two of them. It's just goes round and round it's it a does. never-ending it's cycle and th- and then this is also where nelly nelly wants to um adopt a baby and mm-hmm. so she asks andy for a reference and there's all that to like, like what this would is... you do what would you do in a situation like that where you thought there was somebody yeah. unstable in some manner oh do you think nelly's unstable i don't know that she's she's Mm, something's not right there. Now I think as this, as as this as the episodes progress, you see a more grounded her. Mm-hmm. But in the very beginning, she was flaky. I mean, she was flaky. She's <laughs> flaky, but I think you can tell that she just needs like some place healthier, yeah, to direct her like That's attention and love. Yeah, and I think you know, caring for another person is what will do that for her you know like you can kind of tell the way that she is that she just needs to be like deeply embedded in something like Mm -hmm. she tries she's leading this project and is trying to kind of be the center of attention there and then she's 
trying to be the manager and take over that and manage the office and she's trying to get used to this job now that she's no longer the manager and she's very just not on her feet and she's just looking for something that she can really dedicate herself to Mm -hmm. um so i guess to an extent i hear what you're saying but on the other hand i but let me qualify that i'm not saying just because a person is flaky i know i know it's just it's just a weird it's such a personal thing to make a, a reference for somebody yeah for that for raising another human being that especially the two of them that had been sort of at odds it was just weird you know yeah but yeah i mean there are very few people that well anyway at the same time though this this is that situation and this episode is the kind of final turning point for me in terms of how i feel about andy (laughs) cleo I had to get a little uh, yawn a bit. It's like, sorry guys, I just had to interrupt this real quick. I had to do my little stretching. And I had to get myself situated, but you guys can continue now. No, thanks, Cleo. Okay, we'll go ahead and continue now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You just looked at her and her tail started wagging. (laughs) She did it again. (laughs) She's so excited. Um, Anyway, so this is like the point of no return with Andy for me. Because granted, he you know, might have his reasons or whatever for for why Nellie, he thinks Nellie is not fit to be an adoptive parent. However, he, like, approaches it in a really aggressive way, you know, and kind of makes it, like, a threatening thing for her instead of just being up front and being, like, you know, I don't know if I can really write, like, a good recommendation letter for you. I suggest that you, like, request it from somebody else, you know, even though it's kind of, like, harsh because it's such a sensitive situation, it's better to just, you know, not kind of cause all the drama that he does then, like, writing a letter and being mean to her and and everything. Um, But then I I guess he does eventually, like, write a good letter for her, but still. Or does Dwight do that? I cannot remember. Maybe I'm entirely wrong. That's what I thought happened. Okay, and this is also the one where Dwight finds finds a, a pill. It's an anti-anxiety. What is it? A, yeah, an anti-anxiety pill on the floor. And so he's searching for the madman mm-hmm. mad in the office. Jeez, can you imagine if just having anxiety made you a mad person? That would be literally everybody. (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, my God. I think anxiety is huge these days. Oh, yeah. That's another thing we've talked about a lot, having to do with the stigma associated with, with having anxiety or depression or, you know, things like that. I think... It's maybe more so among people like my age because I think it's more common to hear about it among people like 20 age. somethings. I think it's just people getting more comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it didn't exist before. I don't think that people, I mean, certainly I think it was probably like way higher in the past as people led much riskier, people generally led much riskier lives and have many more threats to their livelihood and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they just didn't know how to talk about it or didn't know how to contextualize what they're feeling. Or they would just deal with it and figure this is life. Yeah. But whereas today, (laughs) it's much more 
it's it's addressed yeah it's like you don't have to be Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to suffer alone Mm -hmm. and be feeling that Mm -hmm. or excuse me or you you know can do things to help you and to live a more fulfilling life um (laughs) cleo's like yes absolutely mental health matters everybody take care of yourself what she'll talk about alice in here right now yeah I, think I just there was just something that happened yesterday when he found out I wasn't on any antidepressant or anything. He's like, "Really?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "I'm just trying to deal." Yeah, you know? yeah. I think I mean it's like, but that's the thing too. Do, do you want to go ahead and say that? Uh, maybe not. Cleo. Maybe not. Okay. Maybe it's not appropriate. Do you want to pet her? I think. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I I think it's been around for a while, but we're just finding the ways to talk about it, and we're still finding the ways to talk about it, and really addressing um sources of anxiety like um poverty like poverty is a huge you know source of anxiety and trying to solve that and help people in those situations or um what was oh have you seen any of the sorry cleo is just running around (laughs) have you seen any of the free britney stuff yeah, recently? what is going on with that? I saw something and I thought, what there, is she not free? Like what? No, what has happened to her? So there's there's a documentary that was released about um, um, about Britney Spears. I think mm-hmm. it was the New York Times made it. I want to say, um, might have to fact check myself next episode. I don't know, mm-hmm. but anyway, so it's documented. It's really sparking conversation, which had kind of already been sparked throughout quarantine. But essentially, Britney Spears's father. Um, has a conservatorship or Brittany is under a conservatorship that's run by her father so essentially she is not allowed to make any like adult decisions for herself like her um, like she's she's pretty much treated as like a mentally unstable person who can't make decisions for herself why so that's what a lot of people are talking about the issue that the media caused a lot of problems in her life and framed her as this mentally unstable person mm-hmm. and that allowed for her current situation to happen. So people are saying like for example, you know, her shaving her head and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she's a person who's under immense stress and anybody who's under the kind of stress and scrutiny and like you know, dealing with any kind of mental health issues is probably going to have a break at some point. Hers just happened to be in front of the entire world. But saying, like, situations like that and, like, portraying her in a light that wasn't, like, the one that held power or the one that had any kind of autonomy allowed them to, like, essentially make a case so that, like, her dad controls her assets, her dad controls her finances, her dad controls her career and the way that it goes and gets, like, the profits from it and everything. So she's just kind of like a pawn she's an adult so yeah. what the hell you know because they they uh, argue that she's mentally unstable you know i am amazed that that can happen because it is so difficult well what, what has happened mm-hmm. is that like there have been people who are kind of coming forward with their stories of there was this one guy who was a driver for her for mm-hmm. a short period of time and he's like you weren't allowed to speak to her. You weren't allowed to make eye contact with her. If she talked to you, you had to try and, like, ignore it. Um, and so he he kind of did that when she would try to talk to him, and she would get frustrated. She's like, you know, I, I, 
you're not gonna get in trouble it's okay like you can talk to me um and he's like no no you don't want to get in trouble or anything she found out and she's like trying to like make these connections and like get to know the people around her all the time um well one thing is he said that when they he would take her somewhere like to the grocery store or wherever she needed to go or to get coffee Mm -hmm. she would ask him to drive around for a little bit before she had to go back home Mm -hmm. um which obviously is a signal that she doesn't really want to be there Mm -hmm. but then also his story was that somehow through the grapevine she had found out that it was his daughter's birthday one Mm -hmm. day and she came out to the car with a card and like a sunglasses and like a little gift for his daughter Mm -hmm. like signed everything Mm -hmm. and Gave it to him. I was like, it was your daughter's birthday. Like, happy birthday. Like, I don't always get to spend my kids' birthdays with them. So, like, it's really nice yeah. to be able to, you know, do that with your kids or whatever. Um, and the guy got fired because it was a personal relationship. It got too personal. And this was all her dad? Like, supposedly, yes. Okay, so if that's true, I mean, I'm only hearing this mm-hmm. from, you know, this slim piece of information. But to me, that's... Perhaps the dad has the problem. Yeah. And not Brittany. Well, there's 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 those issues and then there's things. This was so this like documentary and everything came out recently, but there had been a bunch of conversations earlier this year in quarantine. Um with her making these kind of like strange, like funny TikTok videos or Instagram videos, and people kind of noticed that she seemed a little bit off in them. And people started saying things in the comments and this one, it might have been a coincidence or it might have been a serious thing where somebody is like, LOL, are you okay? Like, wear yellow if you need help in your next video. And she was wearing, like, a yellow shirt in her next video. Just, like, weird things like that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't... But um, the documentary brings up a lot of really cool things that, like, you... Like, not cool things. A bunch of interesting things that you kind of never thought about before in terms of the media interaction with her. Like... Mm-hmm her relationship with Justin Timberlake, how, Mm -hmm. like, when they broke up, it was, like, all her fault, and he, like, made a song about it, and he, like, bragged about, like, taking her virginity and, like, creepy stuff like that, and she, and he was, he was cheating on her, but it, like, it made her out to be the villain, it made her seem, like, you know, unstable and not, like, a nice person or whatever, um, so how she's just really been, like, such a victim of all these different things, but nobody has been able to do anything about it. Or nobody said anything about it. So, you know, I know it can happen to anybody, but it's sad when you see people who are gifted and popular and then you see them in their really small world. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's, it's a small, controlled world mm-hmm. around them. Like, um, you know, other famous people who've had just that, that small nucleus around them and not anyone really to help them mm-hmm. i mean or or to be enough influence to help them like no like personal there's stories of mm-hmm. elvis and there's stories of michael jackson and there's stories of you know a n- number of people that the people around them maybe could have helped them mm-hmm. oh yes michael but, jackson's death but that they was were the conversation. but they were actually hurting them mm-hmm. And, and trying to pacify them or mm-hmm. keep control of them instead of helping them be a full well, person and be, you know, it's it's strange. Even just, I don't know, I don't know how to articulate it, but it's, it is very sad that, that even people can... with such power, powerful careers and um, powerful groups of people who love them 
can be caught in this little world and have no one to really help them and support them. Because I think a lot of people are greedy. And so they just want to do what's best for them. And if they're near a star who they think they can get something from, they want to keep that control and they want to keep the, you know. You can actually see this played out in Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie about Queen and Freddie Mercury. And you know I love Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And it shows in that film he had, I forget his name. I, I think he was a, um, I don't know if he was at, like one of their managers or just someone who was kind of affiliated with them. But he essentially became friends with Freddie, brought him into his circle, introduced him to a bunch of people. They all did a bunch of drugs together. And that's like when Freddie really went off the deep end. And they think the timeline, given the timeline, he got involved in that whole sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle. That's when he was doing like solo work and Queen was like kind of on the outs. And that's when they think that he contracted AIDS was during that period, you know, like being stuck in that awful situation with people who don't care about you Mm -hmm. can be like that detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, HIV AIDS is something that is much more treatable these days. But at that point, you know, the circumstances he got into eventually led to his death because somebody around him didn't really care about his best interest Mm -hmm. and care about... um, Mm-hmm. making sure that he was protected and, and living right. a full healthy life so and of course all these people we're talking about it's we're only speaking from what we've heard we don't yeah. know any of the facts mm-hmm. the true facts you know you only know what you and exactly that's the you same know, select thing with information Brittany. like you know mm-hmm. maybe what's being portrayed right now is the situation isn't exactly the full situation but i think it's indicative of obviously there's some issue going there mm-hmm. like people don't draw Nine times out of ten, people don't draw all these conclusions just for there to be nothing there, you know? Well, although I must say, just I was just now looking, you know, trying to read a little bit about what you're talking about with Brittany, and it seems like people are just... It seems like people are just picking at things. Like, I read something about... Um, her she This recurring theme of roses in her pictures and videos what what so so what like it, you know sometimes people just try to read things yeah. into yeah uh situations as well i mean it's like mm-hmm. um i was gonna say horoscopes but i don't know <laughs> but it's, it's like well, astrology I think is what well no i mean some sometimes you read a horoscope and no matter who you are it could apply to you in some way this is true. It, it can be quite general yes. like that. I know you, you find astrology fascinating, so we shouldn't get into that. But, you know, it, it's just... Listen, all I have to say is Cleo is very obviously an Aries, and <laughs> so are you. So Yes, you are. Hey, girlfriend. <laughs> um, she has Aries power. That's right. Um, but, you know, and what is... I know you and I have talked about this, because back, I don't know, 100 years ago... A man could put his wife in a oh yeah in an asylum and have her lobotomized yeah and have her lobotomized if if you know he just said well she's acting erratically yeah and wouldn't have to have any kind of proof proof <laughs> nothing just be, or or they want to you know go you know they want to go out with some other woman mm-hmm. oh well this wife you know she's she's needs to be and then you'd never see that person again. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminds me of the situation with Brittany. Mm-hmm. It is 2021. 
-hmm. why are we having situations like this this is crazy yeah this is craziness i think it's good coming out because i mean yeah i think so depending on what happens from here moving forward could set a good precedent for Mm -hmm. potentially other people who might get stuck in these situations yeah i think i think um well we could start with the whole feminist movement women's lib movement rights all that but we probably shouldn't even do that um that's all (laughs) we'll get lost yeah anyway free britney (laughs) free britney yes free britney (laughs) just uh you know that's i'm gonna leave this on one more note this one guy was talking about how she's kind of portrayed as like you know a bimbo like not very bright kind of airheaded type of person he's like i was a dancer on like this one tour and everything like back you know when she was really in her like 90s kind of height or early Mm -hmm. 2000s um and he's like nothing like went without her approval like she ran the show she determined Mm -hmm. you know people brought elaborate like ideas and everything to her and like she determined what was going on like people Mm -hmm. tried to impress her because they knew that she was the final role so he's like to see her brought from that point to where she kind of is now like something has gone wrong yeah um but yeah, free Britney. All right. <laughs> Do we want to go to the next episode? Yeah. Okay, episode five, Here Comes Trouble, directed by Claire Scanlon and written by Owen Ellickson. After inviting former college a cappella group Here Comes Trouble to perform for the office during Halloween, Andy gets angry when he hears that his college friend Broccoli Rob is telling a different story about the group. Dwight tries to track down a madman in the office. Jim and Pam fight over his new job. Only thing I have to say about this episode is I only learned from recently watching an episode of Chopped that Broccoli Rob was a thing. <laughs> like, that, like, Broccoli Rob is a type of, like, food, food yeah. and not just. Oh. I didn't realize that the Broccoli Rob name in this show was a pun on Broccoli Rob. Because <laughs> it's R-A-B-E. Um, I knew I, like, that makes me so sad because it's like, I I feel stupid that I don't know a vegetable name. It's like, I knew broccoli. It's just... What is the difference between broccoli and broccoli rob? Broccoli rob's flor- florets are much smaller than those of broccoli, of its cousin broccoli. So, mm. and it's rob, R-A-B-E. Yeah, I'd yeah. heard of it, but honestly, I never knew what it was. I never even thought, yeah, I'd heard the term, no but I had, yeah. And the only, like, I'd heard and had broccolini. Yeah, no, no, no there's another, no, there's a broccolini. What the heck? But, so many broccolis. Not broccoli Rob, I don't know. But um, also in this episode, we get Jim and Pam's, like, first real intense fight, which is interesting and sad. But also something that's been coming for a long time, I feel. They can't be a perfect couple always. Yeah, well, again, it comes from secrecy and then mm-hmm. distrust and then it just blows up so don't do that just tell the other person don't, yeah just talk to them i mean if tell you can't them. tell the other person everything that you need to tell them mm-hmm. and talk them through everything there's an issue this is also like jim and pam are you know like office couple goals but i think this is also an example of like many times where they're not really or like jim jim kind of sucks at some mm-hmm. points it's like you know in an ideal world, you are choosing a life partner because you believe that you can support that person through the things that they will go through throughout life and that they will be there to support you and that you will 
live a happy, healthy life together, mm-hmm. theoretically. So you would think, you know, that's the person that the first person you would want to go to to be like, I'm really unhappy and unsatisfied with where I'm currently at. I don't like my job and I want to do something different and I want to try to branch out because that's what they're there for you Mm -hmm. to help you do, you Mm -hmm. know, and to talk and to figure something out. I mean, Pam's an office manager. Pam was a secretary. She was a salesperson. Those types of positions exist everywhere, you know? It's not like she's localized to a certain point. Like, if Jim had just talked to her, they probably could have gone to Philadelphia next episode, you know? Right. Like, it didn't have to be this big issue. But, but, you know, gosh, that's a big thing about, a big conversation we can have about marriage and, and couples is, you know, you have to balance what you want with what's best for everyone. And granted, nobody wants to be unhappy. And if you are unhappy for long enough, that's trouble right there. But there has to be some way or some outlet um, for each person without putting the whole family at risk. Mm -hmm. So, And I'm sure that's the way Jim felt. Like he just felt like he needed to do something and he felt guilty. And so instead of talking to Pam, you know, she's a rational, reasonable person. I mean, I guess that's another issue if you're not married to a rational, reasonable (laughs) person. You can't really talk to him through things. But, you know, (laughs) you need to to think about that. so yeah, I, I mean, I can I can obviously see how this happens, but you just that's was just such a bad a wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And once you start into situations like this, they can snowball, and you don't oh, yeah. want that. And I mean, then you don't, see. yeah, and you don't want to trust. You will not trust the other person. Mm-hmm. So that just is a. Yep. Hmm, Next a episode. Yeah. Episode six: the boat. Directed by John Krasinski, a.k.a. Yay. Jim, and written by Dan Sterling. Andy must help his family when his dad loses all of their money. Meanwhile, Dwight is a guest on a radio show, and his co-workers call in to bother him. is coming to talk really quick. <laughs> Kevin learns a secret about Oscar. This episode features the return of Andy's brother, Walter Jr., who is now a drunk. So, when, you know, I had to think about this, but I, I had forgotten that... Andy's father had taken the family money mm-hmm. and left to go to Argentina with his mistress. Like, I had forgotten that big piece of it because I had remembered his brother came back as a drunk. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, the family's destroyed here, mm-hmm. right? But that the dad set it all in motion. Yeah. Was, so um, the person that Andy's been trying to impress all along was... Was the downfall, and then here yeah. Andy is the one trying to piece things together. Put yeah, pull things back together again. As often happens with the children who are trying all the time to impress parents and to be the good one, they end up having to take care of everything. It's like classic. I don't know if that's middle child syndrome or oldest child syndrome. Well, that's supposed to be middle child syndrome, but child but syndrome. I think there's a lot. There's so many dynamics, like you know, boys want the approval of their fathers Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hard to get that and it's Mm -hmm. hard to have you know an open relationship where dad says i love you to his sons yeah and that is so critical to have that and then there's you know obviously the the theory that if you have respect you know if a boy has respect for his mother 
he will have good relationships with women and if a you know and then if a girl you know has a good relationship with her father and he takes care of her then you know and there's that loving bond then she'll have a better relationship with her her husband or boyfriend or you know and I guess in the same way it's with mothers too if mothers aren't nurturing or, or you know I, I don't know that all the psychi- the um, I feel like it psychiatry comes about down it, to if if you because I mean not everybody's gonna have a mother and father but if, if mm-hmm. your parents mm-hmm. don't love and support you and love and support each other mm-hmm. that's gonna leave you with some kind of issues nine times yeah that's I guess that's the it is hard you know. to come out of that situation well, with yeah, I mean, ten percent healthy, and you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a dad, so, um, well, that was around, so yeah. I know that caused a lot of, you know, issues. I never saw two parents who worked things out, mm-hmm. so I, you know, that was difficult. So, um, what was it that I was watching the other day? What was the show? And it had a really interesting thought to it um, where they said, if you don't have parents, if you're, you know, say an orphan or no, maybe it was the show. Um, they're like, you, you can choose your family. You know, if you don't yeah. have, if you don't have a family, if you were adopted, if you were, you know, you lost your parents at an early age um, or you didn't, you had parents who weren't you know, the, the parents you needed, you know, loving parents, you can find your own family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's sort of a, a, a thought of hope for people out there who, you know, are missing or lacking a family mm-hmm. to, to find those friends and those people who are going to be supportive and there for you. Mm-hmm. They are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, I guess I'm going I don't that'll make me cry if I start talking about um I think it's I'd like to hear somebody hear from somebody who maybe grew up um through the foster care system or something and aged out of it or someone who didn't really have parental support young or anything like that because well, I mean know. obviously it's very difficult and you know you want to have that and um that's a part that like would feel like it's missing but I feel like also to a certain extent that allows you to idealize your parents if you never got to know them um depending on how much you know about them and kind of make them into that perfect image in your head based on different things that you might like see in media or understand as good and healthy Mm -hmm. and in that way you can kind of like like build that understanding in your head without having parents like I want to know like I that's like logically what my head goes to so I want to know like what that actual experience is because obviously I don't know but well your your dad's grandmother um was adopted well I'm thinking like if kids who are, aren't adopted like they age out oh. of the system oh I was here I'm sorry I missed or that. people okay. who have parents who passed away very young and maybe they get put into the foster care system or they Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have someone else who raises them, but they like think about their mom and dad, and like they, you know, maybe hear nothing but good things about them, and you know, believe in, you know, it's like 
um, like in Disney princess movies where one of the parents has passed away, like they always idealize them and mm-hmm. it's, you know, this like great big character. I wonder if it's that kind of same thing where you think like you, I wonder if like any parental issues that you might have if you had a parent and they were bad would manifest in the same way if you like don't have parents and you can like oh think well, about like, them mm-hmm. in a positive light because you don't hear anything bad you know so so sort of not having a father around is potentially better than having a an abusive alcoholic yeah father like i'm kind of wondering around. If you would think you know if you're if your father passed mm-hmm. away and your mm-hmm. mom speaks very highly of him and shows mm-hmm. you, you know, they had a good relationship and mm-hmm. maybe there were bad parts too, but mm-hmm. that's not presented to you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you then kind of grow up still with that image mm-hmm. and understanding in your head of what mm-hmm. good relationships should mm-hmm. look like and what, you know, how you should be treated yeah. by someone else. That's, I, I think that's very important. I think that's very important. I mean, my mom never said a bad word about my dad. Never. I don't ever remember her saying anything ever negative about him and he left us so you know god bless her for that mm-hmm. uh, granted she never talked much about him so you know I, I wasn't from that perspective where i you know could could kind of use that in my mind as my experience and bring that into my relationships yeah. but you know i I, th- I see what you're saying yeah yeah i think it's i think it is that whole thought of 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 either experiencing or thinking what a good relationship is all about and bringing that forward into your relationships yeah. right yeah because yep. I feel like I, I feel like sometimes it's difficult if you like have known the person and they're not good to you and you have to kind of utilize your found family to get those emotions because there's still a mm-hmm. part of you that's frustrated because you did have that and it wasn't good mm-hmm but I, I wonder, that's what makes me think then, I wonder if it's, like, in terms of your mental and emotional state, better to have not had that and just be able to reflect on them as a positive individual and then mm-hmm. find, you know, what you need in other people mm-hmm. because you can at least have that solely positive mm-hmm. image of them and it's not tainted by, like, I wish, like, they're here, but I wish that they would be better. Right. You know. You know, I do just want to say for anybody listening, and the <laughs> very small audience, um, you know, there is there is hope if you don't have a father or you don't have a mother, or you know, let me cut this out. I, I don't know. I don't. There's people know how out there who can offer those kinds of perspectives or that kind of maybe, and it might not be an all one person. I know what I wanted to say. So, so if you don't have, you know, things. Okay, I, I grew up since I was two with a mom and four siblings. We had nothing. We had absolutely nothing. You know, don't be discouraged if you're in that situation. Um, you know, just work hard, and you know you can cut. You can bring yourself out of that. I mean, we had we we literally had nothing. I mean, we my mom lived paycheck to paycheck. She worked her tail off. Um, all of us went to college, all of us graduated from college, all of us paid for our own college. I mean, you can do it. So, so because you're, you're lacking something or, you know, you're having a hard time, you, you can do it. I think it also, there still is something to be said, like, yes, you can do it in theory, but, you know, you had a mom who was very strict of, you know, 
you're going to college, you're going to get a degree that helps you pay for things, you Mm -hmm. know, you had, you know, good education systems to support you, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. had, you know, a parent who, although she's very busy and couldn't really be as present, like, if you ever did, you know, like, drugs or got involved with anything like that, like, she'd know and she'd, like, Oh, I'd be in. Oh ass, man, right? there's no, there's no tolerance there. And, and yeah, there not, would have been no tolerance, you know, whatsoever. Not to like shade anybody's parents, but like some people just might not have parents who are that present mm-hmm. or that aware, or um, who have been able to provide a, a good education for them so far. Or don't have the resources to kind of help them make decisions and and get out of those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, granted, like, while you definitely did struggle growing up, I think going to a place, like, where you went to high school and stuff and being, like, mm-hmm. around a group of wealthier people, you kind of get into to understand how, like, people make money and, like, how, you know, like, you kind of get to associate yourself with, like, a different class and a different group of people. Well, it was kind of difficult. I mean, first of yeah, all, I got, I, mean, a, yeah. I got a scholarship to high school. I, I paid for half my education or at least I was supposed to I worked the whole time I worked at at school you know even before I could to you know for tuition and all that so you know and I didn't understand the people who I went to school with who lived in huge houses and I I mean we we lived till I was in third grade we lived in a two-bedroom apartment with six people Mm -hmm. and then we moved to a two-bedroom house and some of us slept in the basement and some of us slept in the attic and then (laughs) You know, yeah. Um, so then when I went to high school and I, you know, there were wealthier kids there. I, I didn't, I didn't understand. Like I, I yeah. didn't blend well, in well with those people. I, I'm talking like more from my perspective is like, if I am in the position that I'm in, which I'm in a good position, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, standard middle class person, mm-hmm. I've had good opportunities and a good education stuff, but that being said, coming from the, like, typical middle class upbringing that I did, had I not gone to those educational environments that I did and been around people who are perhaps a lot wealthier than me and are exposed to a much different world than I had been, I kind of rephrased that wrong, but having been in those situations, I was exposed to a different, like, type of behavior and way of presenting yourself that I think Mm -hmm. has then benefited me professionally because I, (laughs) like, you know, I go, I, one time, uh, one, one internship that I interviewed for, I had a friend who, um, was working at the place where I was interviewing and they saw the other people who were coming in to interview around when I was coming in. I didn't see any of them, but mm-hmm. they saw them coming in at the different staggered times. And they reached out to me afterward and they said, you know, based on clothing alone, you got the job. Because mm-hmm. I came in in my, you know, like suit and well presented and had my like briefcase thing and all that kind of stuff. And the other people came in with maybe wrinkly clothes or like jeans or it's like mm-hmm. just having that understanding alone of like how to present myself in a successful way that makes me come off <laughs> it was like that makes me come off a certain way benefited me right and not everybody has even that you know but but I think people don't you know people kind of say well just the way I look doesn't mean that's the kind of person I am. Well, it kind of does. I mean, in in your life, 
if you want to make a good impression, you got to kind of clean yourself up. Mm-hmm. You have to wear, you know, at least if you if you don't have nice clothes, at least they're clean and they're pressed. And you go yeah, into your interview. Point. Interview. I mean, I remember my mom saying, um, you know, we didn't have like I said, we didn't have anything growing up when we were little, and she said it doesn't cost anything to be clean. Yeah. You know. Well, so for Pete's sake, soap and water. Well, okay, <laughs> you know, seriously, um, but but you know, unfo- unfortunately, some people don't understand that they should. They think they should be able to look I, the way they want, do whatever they want. They want people should just hire them, and that's just not the way it is. You want somebody like your dad tells a story about. You know, I always used to have him put rugs down in his truck so he wouldn't get the carpet in the truck dirty because he was in and out with mud. So he'd mm-hmm. put like little throw rugs in there and then we'd take them out and wash them. Mm-hmm. And that's how he got one of his jobs mm-hmm. is the guy had somebody go out and look in his truck to see if he kept his truck nice. Mm-hmm. And he saw those throw rugs in the bottom of his, you know, in his truck yeah. to keep it clean and he and they hired him. <laughs> You know, mean, yeah. You know, there there are reasons why you kind of have to pull yourself together. I, I understand that, but I'm just saying, like, like there's more nuance to it. Like some cases, it might not necessarily be that like someone doesn't want to look clean and put together, but like they might not have the the resources or the know how to like put together a professional outfit, or they might not understand like going into a certain situation what they need to look like or or what they need to do. You know, moral of my point is. You know, yes, like definitely people can get out of the situation that they're in, but sometimes just the resources aren't there. And then sometimes like you get, like I just saw a TikTok of this one girl who um, was just like kind of crying about like her student loans situation mm-hmm. and, and feeling like, she, you know, she studied for this career and now she can't do the career because of COVID and she's got all this debt and like she's always been mm-hmm. in poverty and it's like you continually get beat down and, you know sometimes it's just hard mm-hmm. but rely on your support system like turn to people who are there for you and you know for those nuanced things like going to a job interview go online there are resources there there is information to help you even if you know you have to go to goodwill and find like a good outfit to put right. together right there are tips and advice of yep. how to find good pieces mm-hmm. and good things to do it. Like, well, really, I mean, know? even for a, for like a job like mine, black skirt, white blouse, you're done. Hair back and a ponytail. I know, but like even, you even, know, like aside from that, if, if they're you know it's like a fashion place or like they're trying to you know come in and just really bring out the water, true. there are suggestions from people of how like different ways to put things together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating because it takes time. You have to put more effort into that than people who are wealthier or more like have you know can go into a different store and just buy something that's on a model like you know you have to put more effort into Mm -hmm. it and that's stinks and it's not fair but we believe in you (laughs) there are resources we do believe in you we you know i think granted sometimes you need a helping hand from people you need somebody Mm -hmm. just to like give you that little extra push yeah but you know if you work hard you can you can pull yourself out i mean i you know and then I remember my sister, who was in med school, put herself through med school, ton of debt, lived in an apartment with rats and roaches while she was in med school. <laughs> a you know, apartment she, with roaches. and she did it. So you know, you uh, can do it too. You you can just have some grit. You know, um, 
and hopefully hopefully you'll find some people who who can help you along and encourage you and and you know every now and then just a little bit to help you over the the hump I think that's um, really the most important key is like making those human connections and finding because you know at least you know like I think just because I'm an anxious person and I think about any situation I'm like okay what if what if I were to lose literally everything and like my car and my house and and all my money and, and everything that I have right it's like okay I have family that I could yep. go with and they would help me I have these friends I could yep. go to this friend and then if I would have to bounce around mm-hmm. I would go to this friend like mm-hmm. I know that they would help me yep. you know and that's like have those even people who like the um unhoused people that i've ever spoken to like the the human connections that they have without a home living you know Mm -hmm. in cities and streets and that kind of thing they make those connections and that's what helps them survive right like Mm -hmm. that's getting to know the other people who are in the same situation as them Mm -hmm. as a community they help to lift each other up and to get through Mm -hmm. what they're dealing with um so I think that, you know, really lean on your support system in every situation, especially that one. They're what's going to help mm-hmm. lift you up. And make sure to notice when someone isn't being there or supportive for you because you don't need to deal with that shit and just get rid of them if someone's not being a good friend to Figuratively you. Figuratively get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, figure I'm not advocating for murder. I'm just saying. If someone right. in your life is it's not... negative yeah, and, and... They're just bringing you down. yeah. They're just going to bring you down. Yeah. And don't, you know. Absolutely. You don't need to put up with that. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> next episode. We digress. Yet again. We digress. All right. This episode's called The Whale. It is directed by Rodman Flender and written by Carrie Kemper, who is Aaron. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. No, no, no. No, no, no. Never mind. Sorry. I take that back. Ka- Carrie Kemper, who is the sister of the actress who plays Aaron, Ellie Kemper. Dwight is tasked with selling paper to an unknown woman, revealed to be Jan Levinson from the Scranton White Pages, and Pam and the women of the office teach him how to interact with women. (laughs) Angela fears that her husband, Robert, is cheating on her and enlists Oscar to help her spy on him at his yoga class. Meanwhile, Andy Skypes into the office from his boat, and Toby convinces several of the men in the office to grow mustaches for Movember. Miss Cleo. You are, have a lot to say today. She's like, uh, yes, sir, I, do, I really do have a lot to say. First thing that I would like to say about this episode is that, um, I think it was very interesting that Dwight has a little how to interact with women, um, because he's honestly just not a very nice man, and he is very uncomfortable around women, and all I have to say is that if I was around Dwight, I'd probably also be uncomfortable with him. <laughs> probably would not like him. Um, Did you say that? Unless, if he had treats, uh, my mind might change a little bit. Um, particularly the kind of treats that I like. Um, however, he probably still make me uncomfortable. And I might call my mom and could pick me up. Okay. That's All what right, I have Cleo. to say about that. It's a great take, Cleo. Thank you for sharing that with us today. Um, what I love <laughs> is that... <laughs> It's, like, such a big deal that they're, like, going after the Scranton White Pages. It's, like, this is the holy grail. I think Dwight makes some comment, and he's, like, 2,000 perfect, like, paper oh pages. So, you know, like, this is incredible. <laughs> they're so excited. Um, and, of course, it's Jan. Of course, Jan has found her way up at somewhere, some other company, and uh, things are working out well for her. 
my favorite scene in this episode is when they go to Jan and she has her daughter Astrid Astrid, <laughs> Astrid with her and she's like trying to show off that she is just super mom she is working hard all day she has her daughter brought right to brought right to her office after school she's picking her up and singing her a song is that this one yes and they're asking about oh my gosh her day and how her day's going in her song she sang it yeah like and how was your day (laughs) it's like oh my god jan (laughs) calm down we've come a long way from singing what is she that's the son of a preacher man (laughs) oh my gosh yes i just uh jan but uh jan's great (laughs) You think so too, honey? Yep. Is that is isn't it this episode? I think that's when Mike Michael is, has herpes. Okay, so I was incorrect. So what happens in this episode with Jan is she thinks that she's getting back at David Wallace by kind of dangling this opportunity in front of them to for the paper sale yes exactly she's just she's yep she's just trying to get revenge with david because she wants to meet with david but she's not going to be meeting with david yeah yeah so that was the whale okay next episode is the target directed by brent forrester and written by graham wagner angela goes to dwight for help when she learns that her husband is having an affair with oscar Stanley Hudson and Phyllis Vance take advantage of Jim when he needs a favor, and Pete distracts Pam as she begins painting her mural. All right, my favorite part of this episode is when Dwight's friend comes and has his van, and Angela and Dwight hop in, and they're essentially scheduling a hit on Oscar for (laughs) having an affair with the senator. Well, originally, Dwight thinks it's... It's the senator that they're going to... Oh, yeah, and then they find out it's Oscar. But then Dwight's friend comes into the office and has a sandwich with a pipe inside of it. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. Um, But anyway, yes, that's my favorite part of this episode. What's your favorite part of this episode? Keep talking, because I don't know. Oh, sorry. Um, Okay, my next favorite part of this episode is... Pam, or not Pam, sorry, Phyllis and Stanley get drunk when they're out to lunch with Jim because Jim want to ask, wants to ask them to kind of pick up his slack so that he can go out to Philadelphia and do his job. And they get drunk and Jim's all nervous to ask them and they're like, of course we will, Jimmy. Like, we love you guys. Like, we'll do what we need to to help you out, um, which is just a really sweet, sweet moment. Well... They said they'll help him out, but they took advantage of him, too. Yeah, but... Like, you know. So, yeah, the whole thing with the, the hit, and then they reduce it down to a break in his kneecaps, and then Oscar ends up... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ...resolving the issue. You know, what yeah. are you going to do? Her husband is gay, and... <laughs> she just, Come here. She just wants to... All right. Be with her family. All right, next episode? Mm-hmm. All right. Episode 9, Dwight Christmas, directed by Charles McDougall and written by Robert Padnick. When the party planning committee forgets to plan the annual Christmas party, Dwight gets everyone to celebrate with a traditional Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas. 
Daryl fears that Jim has forgotten to include him in the new job in Philadelphia. Pete teaches Aaron about his favorite movie, Die Hard. Toby discusses the Scranton Strangler trial with Nellie. Honestly, this episode is kind of null to me. I feel like there are other far superior Christmas episodes, in my opinion. Than the Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas? Yes, than the Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. Dutch. Is this the one where Dwight comes in as the Belschnickel? Oh, it could be. Okay, maybe that is a, a memorable Because, part. yeah, he does all these, yeah. He does. Belschnickel instead of Krampus. Whatever the heck the Belschnickel is. My God. Oh, Dwight. So anyway, yes, that's this episode. Yes, it was. Dwight, who dresses up as Belschnickel, has one of the... <laughs> As has one of the warehouse workers, Nate, dress up as Bell Snickles' assistant, <laughs> Zwart Pete, 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 before the office vetoes the idea, feeling that it, it is racist. <laughs> oh my word! Oh my gosh! Yes, they break oh, all barriers, don't I, they? I do remember this episode. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yikes! Next episode. Okay. Episode ten is called Lice, directed by Robin Rodman Flender and written by Nikki Schwartz Wright. Pam accidentally brings the lice into the office, but lets Meredith Palmer take the fall while Dwight <laughs> vows to destroy the parasites. Jim spends a great day in Philadelphia with a potential business associate. Nellie, Phyllis, and Kevin interfere with Daryl's love life. The saddest thing about this episode is just, like, how overwhelmed Pam is. Um, I think it, it, it comes to a head where she kind of admits that she's struggling and... and that she was the the culprit for the lice in the office and so on and so forth and I think she ends up going out for a beer with Meredith and she's just like Jesus you know like so stressed and trying to hold it together um and we're seeing how the toll it's taking on her for Jim to be gone and for her to be responsible for both their kids well, the whole thing with Pam and the and the lice, though, where she just will not admit it was her, mm-hmm. and then Meredith shaves her head. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like <laughs> Meredith didn't have to shave. Yeah, her well, head. true, but and Meredith is normally like, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, and like she's, she's, she's Meredith would shave her head anyway at yeah. some point just for fun because that's who Meredith is. <laughs> so I get your point, but I also don't feel too much uh, empathy for her because. That's just the way that she is. Honest. Right. Next episode? Yep. Episode 11, Suit Warehouse, directed by Matt Sohn and written by Dan Greeny. Clark returns from his stint as Jan's sexual assistant and Dwight <sighs> enlists his help. The two pose as a father and son so that they can sex- successfully sell to the owner of a suit warehouse. Daryl travels to Philadelphia with Pam to interview at Jim's new company. After a mixed interview, Daryl gets the job. Meanwhile, Pam starts to realize that her family may have to leave Scranton. So many things in this episode. <laughs> the whole thing of Clark and Jan. Oh my god. Oh, jeez Louise. Jan is a whole a whole another ball game. But also Clark, like, Clark and Dwight, when they're the father-son duo at the suit place, <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> They're trying to sell to the guy, and like at first, you know, Dwight's trying to relate to him because it's the dad, and and then the son comes in, and he's all savvy, and he's like, oh yeah, he doesn't run the show, and Clark's kind of like, oh okay, now it's my time to shine because Dwight's been real awkward, you know. Um, so 
like a passing of the baton, but it's still very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but then also at Daryl's interview when he shoots the basketball and it breaks stuff and lands in the fish tank and kills some of the fish. Oh, it's it's so bad. And so, like, can you imagine that happening to you on a job interview? Well, there's just there's a a uh, lesson in this. Don't be shooting hoops. Yeah, really. <laughs> Take significant precautions <laughs> during your job interviews. Don't touch anything <laughs> unless it's part of the job that you're going to be doing and you have to show that you can do that or something. I just, oh my God. But when you think all is lost, he ends up getting the, the job, job done. Because they're like, you know, you think you're great. So yeah. That's really good. Yep. It's nice to see Daryl like yeah. get his after like the lottery incident and oh, just yeah. like coming up from the warehouse and mm-hmm. kind of running the show with that in the office. It's good to see Daryl really get something that he deserves and something that he loves. I mean, Daryl is one of the semi-normal people yes. in this, oh, <laughs> this show. So he, it's he's good to he's see normal. him. Yeah, you know, like a, yeah. yeah. Well, every now and then there's something a little bit you know yeah. odd with him, but. But yeah, he's he's one of the. You're rooting for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good to see. Exactly. Next episode. Mm-hmm. Episode twelve is customer loyalty, directed by Kelly Cantley and written by Jonathan Green and Gabe Miller. Jim is forced to miss Cece's first recital after a major investor exit his exits his company. Dwight tries to prevent Daryl from leaving the office. Nellie accidentally outs Pete and Aaron. Jim is upset with Pam because of her failure to record Cece's recital, but the argument quickly escalates into a major fight about Jim's business venture. Boom mic operator Brian enters the shot to comfort a distressed Pam. We break the fourth wall in this. So breaking the fourth wall is when normally you're viewing something a show oh. and you can see three walls and the mm-hmm. fourth wall is the screen that you're watching something through and for the most part take friends for example you're viewing them in an apartment and one of the walls is you watching the screen but it's as if there is a true wall there and the characters don't know and they're not paying attention then if suddenly during one of the episodes they turned and looked directly into the camera at you through the screen that's breaking the fourth wall because they're no longer pretending like mm-hmm that's just a wall there and that there's no audience or anything to the show. Now they are fully aware that there's an audience. There's, you know, people behind the camera, that sort of thing. Well, and that is a very appropriate part oh, to, yeah. to do it at because the whole time Pam and Jim, Pam and Jim, they love each mm-hmm. other, do everything, everything for each other. And then Jim yells at Pam and she gets upset. And then, yeah, that's when he comes around in front of yeah. the camera and, and tries to console her. So that that's kind of... But then, too, that's also, you. not only is it the first time you see this tragedy in Jim and Pam's relationship, but you can tell that the whole office is starting to, yeah, like, the, and it, it is the, the, the last season. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can just tell, like, those things are starting to happen. happen. People yeah. are going off and, you know, all that, that yeah. Dealing with these major uh, changes. Um, but again... I feel like this point is just another example of Pam and Jim not being the best couple because Jim is really not, like, doesn't handle this stuff well. He's not, like, a true partner to Pam. Like, I think right now in my relationship, 
I've got a lot going on in my life and I'm not perhaps as present as I can be. So I do my very best to be conscious of that, to be asking my partner what they need and to speaking to them about, you know, how I can help them with their week or what can I do to make their day a little bit better just because, like, it kind of takes a conscious effort on my end to remember, like, you know, just because I'm dealing with a lot doesn't mean that other people's struggles are, like, you know, not still significant um, and that they don't need support from me as well, even if I'm, like, often very drained. Um, And I feel like Jim just totally disregards that here. He totally disregards that Pam's juggling two kids and work and kind of holding down the fort at home so that Jim can go out and do this stuff. He's not Cleo sniffing. That is not Laura sniffing. That is Cleo Cleo sniffing. But he's totally disregarding that Pam is doing a lot so that he can be able to do what he wants to do right now. And he really, you know, needs to understand that things aren't going to work out perfectly. And if he doesn't make it to come home to the recital, then that might have to be something that he has to sacrifice. And that's a decision he has to make because he can't expect Pam to perform at 110% all the time when she's really being pushed to her limits right now with everything that that's going on, you know? Um, wow, I just see all these parallels. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's an example of, you know, one of several examples that we see throughout the show where Jim is really, like, not a, a good partner at times. And, uh, yeah. He's, but, he's, but again, you know, Pam isn't communicating, like, this is not fair. You can't do that to me. I'm already dealing with a lot of stuff and kind of putting her foot down in the first place, you know? Well, you know, that happens when one person is trying really hard and trying to give everything they can and trying to make it easier for the other person. The other person is just taking is only, yes, as half-heartedly trying, you know. So. So, unfortunately. But, you know, as long as it happens, you know, back and forth and people have good days and bad days Mm -hmm. and the other person has good days and bad days, you know, then hopefully it'll even out. But, I mean, Jim just started off wrongly uh, in in this scenario not even telling her what's going on so anyway don't have much sympathy for him at this point (laughs) nope next episode yep episode 13 is junior salesman directed by david rogers and written by carrie kemper yet again sister of aaron sister of the actress who plays aaron Dunder Mifflin CEO David Wallace tasks Dwight with finding a part-time replacement for Jim. Dwight, in turn, enlists several of his close friends, including his cousin Mose. Pam tries to find out who her new deskmate will be. This episode doesn't really, like, strike me. Mm-mm. It was fine. I have no strong feelings about a junior, junior salesman. I think we should just move on. We have a ton to get through. Yeah. And we've been talking. I mean, honestly, like, it's kind of nice. Dwight and Pam kind of bond because now they're the old, old crew at that little desk section. And Clark is hired into the position and he's the new guy so they can kind of prank him. Um, So that's sweet. But otherwise, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy really happening in this episode. All right, episode 14, Vandalism, directed by Lee Kirk and written by Owen Ellickson. Someone vandalizes Pam's warehouse mural. Distraught, she seeks the help of Dwight and Nellie, who both eagerly help her track down the vandal. Meanwhile, in their Philadelphia apartment, Daryl is uncomfortable with Jim's uncleanliness. 
Angela begrudgingly allows Oscar and Kevin to attend her son Philip's first birthday party. Oh boy. <laughs> um, okay, so first of all, Pam uh, finds out that one of the um, warehouse workers had vandalized the mural. I, I cannot remember the reason. Or was he just being a jerk? I, I think he was just being a jerk. Um, but so he vandalizes it and he gets mad at Pam and goes up to like attack her and the boom mic operator who has previously comforted Pam comes through and, and punches him in the face. Um, which leads him to be fired. And he tells Pam, you know, it is what it is. Like, I'm here if you ever need me. Um, which is kind of, again, like, Jim's not being supportive and Pam is seeking that support elsewhere. And it's a slippery slope. This is kind of Pam being bad, like a slippery slope to emotionally cheating on your partner, at least. Um, not turning to them and explaining what you need from them. So, that happens. Um, Jim, friggin', why, Jim is just so irritating to me this season. He's an adult, and he can't clean up after himself in his apartment with another adult. Like, literally, if Pam is not there, he cannot pick up after himself. Seriously? Like, you are a, an adult, you are a parent of two children, you are a husband, you can clean up so that your roommate doesn't have to be frustrated with the way that you live, you know? Yeah, that's pretty sad. It's gross. So you know that's just one more thing Pam has to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Actually, she's probably grateful because she doesn't have his mess to clean up too yeah, right no, now. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So the whole thing with Angela and Robert and Oscar. Yeah. Uh, it just continues. It's just, it's just painful. But Kevin comes through at the end and criticizes Robert to his face for the way that he has taken advantage of both Angela and Oscar. Because Kevin's like, you know, you, you know, you're taking advantage of Oscar to try and get Latino voters. And you, um, you're taking advantage of Angela to cover up that you're gay. Like, right. you know, right. you're not being an honest person. And that kind of makes Angela and Oscar feel better about what they've done or about what, about, you know. What Robert has done and yeah, what, their embarrassment. Really. Yeah, they're like, you know, we just got taken advantage of. We're not really in the wrong here. Next episode? Yep. All right. Uh, episode 15, Couples Discount, directed by Troy Miller and written by Allison Silverman. The office pairs into couples so that they may all be able to take advantage <laughs> of a Valentine's Day discount mm -hmm. at a mini mall. After Andy returns from his boat trip, Aaron decides that she's going to break up with him so that she can be with Pete, but Pete begins to doubt her. Pam, Pam and Jim share lunch with Brian, the documentary sound man. Um, and this is when they find out that, or Jim finds out that Brian has been comforting Pam and trying to be supportive, and he wasn't there for Pam. And it's like, oh, this is sad. Like, Jim's first, uh, oh shoot, maybe I screwed up. 
just a second. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. And this episode too, so they they're sitting and, and they find out that information from Brian and then Jim's kind of upset and he's like, Why wouldn't you tell me about, you know, the warehouse workers trying to fight you and why won't you tell me that you were so upset? Yeah. Cleo's like, Yeah, she why agrees. didn't you tell him that you were so upset? Yeah, well maybe because yeah. Jim isn't telling her things and she she's much more giving person than Jim is. Yeah. Obviously at this point. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. It didn't seem like that way in the beginning. He was he was very giving yeah. to Pam, you know. But and then he's criticizing her now after everything he's just done to mm-hmm. like cause problems. It's just and, strange. And Jim wants to run away from it. He wants to go right. to Philadelphia so that right. they avoid arguing. And Pam turns around. And she's like, "No, like we need to have this fight. This is like overdue. Like she's finally like." Mm-hmm. I need to like tell you this shit because you have not been good to me. Right, exactly. Good for Pam. Yeah. Um, and then, but you know that's very typical of people to just yeah, avoid the conflict. Avoid the conflict. I mean, yeah. I have done it sometimes, but I've been the one who wants to get it out in the open too. And it's so frustrating when yeah. you want to just talk it out and get it out and clean it up and move on, and the other person does not want to do that. Mm-hmm. They'll just like walk away. Yeah. But we also have another successful moment with Erin when she breaks up with Andy and, you know, she's like, I don't love you. Uh, You're, you know, didn't treat me like I was your girlfriend while you were gone. You didn't talk to me like we were apart and you didn't reach out or tell me what was going on. Um, And Andy is like, no, it's okay. Like, you can just pretend that you love me and it'll work out. And it's like, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) But Erin... God bless her, is like, nope, I'm leaving. And Pete is like, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like, I don't want to pusher you. I just want you to be happy. Did you just say pusher you? Pressure you. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I just want you to be happy. And she's like, oof. Thank God. Like, she sticks to her guns, breaks up with Andy, and is with Pete. But before all this weird stuff happened, I loved Andy and her as a couple. They just seemed to me like a really cute couple. They did. It was kind of sad to me. But the end of this episode, I didn't realize. So she's doing her, like, final breakup with Andy. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how he was gone for, like, three months. And he didn't say anything. And he wasn't there for her. And then she runs away. And and Andy's on the phone with David Wallace. And David Wallace is like, what's this about you being gone for three months? Like, (laughs) excuse me? So, mm. it's like, ooh boy, we're in for something. Next episode? Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Pam interview. oh, excuse me, moving on. Oh, directed by John Favreau. That's interesting. He did a lot of Marvel movies and is doing The Mandalorian now, or some parts of Mandalorian. Um, written by Graham Wagner. Pam interviews for a job in Philadelphia, but her potential manager reminds her of her former boss, Michael Scott. Dwight acquires the help of Angela in order to give his elderly aunt, Shirley, a bath. Meanwhile, Andy attempts to make Pete and Aaron feel comfortable. Okay, this Dwight and Angela storyline with her taking care of his grandma. What I love about it is, like, the same things that happen are usually what you would think of when, like, a single parent is introducing their significant other to their child for the first time and they're seeing how well they bond and that makes them love their partner even more but instead it's 
Dwight's ailing, <laughs> ailing aunt. <laughs> and Angela's, like, giving her a bath and braiding her hair. And Dwight's just kind of like, oh, like, I really do love her. <laughs> like, she's so nice to my family and, like, mm-hmm. kind of puts up with my aunt's bullshit <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and helps her. And it's like, oh, it's just nice to see that. Um, and then Pam kind of stands up for herself in this episode and she interviews for that job and realizes that it's like Michael Scott and she's like, I don't know if this is what I want again, you know, like Jim's getting all these opportunities and, and changing his life and she's like, you know, just because you're doing that doesn't mean I should have to sacrifice my happiness in a job environment and that kind of stuff. So that's good to see. Next episode? Yep. You gotta say more because it's know. just gonna be me talking. I know, but um, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking through what what you're saying, and I I just know we're getting um, we're almost there. Taking us a while. All right, episode 17, The Farm, directed by Paul Lieberstein, aka Toby, and written by Paul Lieberstein, aka Toby. Oscar attends the funeral of Dwight's aunt Shirley at Shroot Farms. Dwight's sister Aww. Fanny and brother Jeb also attend, and Shirley stipulates in her will. will that they are are set to inherit her farm only if they choose to live and work on it themselves. And work it themselves. Todd Packer returns to the office to make amends as part of an alcoholic and narcotics recovery process, but instead hands out cupcakes laced with laxatives and drugs. Mm -hmm. Todd Packer just going out with a bang. (laughs) But at least he's gone after this. My god. Um... But I, I love that we get to see Dwight's siblings in this one, and they're not exactly what you'd expect. Like, his sister's kind of, you know, more, like, urban and, and you know, city-living hotshot vibes. I mean, obviously not entirely. She's still Dwight's sister. Um, but they're not, like, kind of strange <laughs> backwoods people like Dwight. Um, and then I also love how they kind of come together and, and have Dwight take over the farm and he's like owning the whole farm now you know mm-hmm. um, it's a big deal anything else no I just can't stand Todd Packer what about the funeral it's a tradition oh, what's wrong with you it's a tradition that they shoot the casket to make sure that they're dead <laughs> it's just like Jesus Christ. No, not the casket, the the corpse. Oh, they they open it They're up and shoot the corpse. Oh my God. Oh God. They are just. Well, what a family. If, the if you're gonna must put me be. in the ground, you better make sure that I'm I'm gone. Just to double check. <laughs> Should we host a, mm-hmm. a Dwight shoot shoot <laughs> shootout? It must be quite a life to be living in the Shrewd family and have the traditions that you have, I must say. Truly just wild. Um, Next episode, though. Next episode's called Promos. It's directed by Jennifer Salata and written by Tim McAuliffe. MC is Mac, right? Yeah. Well, well, it it depends. It's it's McAuliffe. McAuliffe. Um, okay. Well, wait, let me see that, because MCE is Mac, so it would be Macaulay. Macaulay. Hopefully we're pronouncing it right. If it's, if it's a vowel after the C, yeah. it's supposed to be Mac, and if it's a consonant after the C, it's supposed to be Mick. Yeah. But I'm sure, like, McKinney, you oh, know, MC yeah. McKinney, yeah. Yeah. And Mac. So, but 
I'm sure there are some okay. exceptions, but everyone in the office is excited when international promos for the documentary surface, but are soon horrified to discover how much candid filming has taken place. While everyone panics about their secrets being revealed, Pam reflects upon how much she and Jim have changed over the past nine years. Dwight makes Angela jealous when he starts dating a Brussels sprout farmer, who Clark suspects may be trying to lure Dwight into a scam. <laughs> Andy battles rude comments on the internet. Meanwhile, Jim and Daryl have a big meeting with Major League Baseball player Ryan Howard, <laughs> who pitches a bizarre sci-fi sports movie about himself. Okay. So, in this episode, is this where we first learn about uh, the... Let me see. Yes, Dwight is learning, or Dwight is getting into the purchase of a tractor with his new girlfriend, Esther's father. So, they're kind of haggling... And, um, and during that process, Clark is kind of talking to the other sisters and they're kind of luring Clark into trying to make a a deal. So Clark goes over to Dwight and is like, Hey, we like aren't attractive enough for these girls to actually like us. I think they're just trying to scam us. Um, and Dwight's like, Oh shit. Like you're right. I probably shouldn't be talking to this girl. But then the girl goes over to Dwight and is like, Wow, she's not happy. A lot of feelings. She has a lot of feelings about that comment. <laughs> the girl goes over to Dwight, Dwight's girlfriend, Esther. Sorry, I should have referred to her by her name. Esther goes to Dwight and is like, you shouldn't sign the contract. Like, my dad's trying to screw you over and scam you. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, she does actually, like, care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, sweet that Dwight has somebody who, like, is finally, you know, really interested in him and supportive of him because mm-hmm. angela even at her best previously wasn't really this this also has a, an interesting cleo an interesting uh interaction with pam and the crew member brian the the boom mic operator cleo come on can you keep petting her um and pam goes to brian's and kind of is talking to him and while she's there she understands how much stuff they recorded and she also kind of gets the vibes from brian that like he's interested in her Mm -hmm. and she immediately leaves and is like this is not this is not good this is not this is not what i'm interested in um (laughs) cleo is just going nuts right now baby it's your bedtime you should be chilled i i don't want to be here i want to be in my little bed sleeping i'm gonna wrap her up very hot in here. Oh, but she loves the warmth. She's our little... She's got a sweater on. She's like... Okay. But anyway, so... It's interesting. She's... You know... Has that interaction that's kind of been a, a short arc that... She was engaging with this Brian guy. And, and now mm-hmm. she's like, oh no, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Oh no. All right, episode 19 is directed by Matt Sohn and written by Dan Sterling. It's called Stairmageddon. 
The elevators are under maintenance, and the office workers have to walk up the stairs, a situation everyone deems the stairmageddon. Exhausted after climbing the stairs, Stanley refuses to go back down in order to close a sale with one of their bigger clients. Dwight is forced to shoot Stanley with a few bull tranquilizer darts to knock him out. Dwight and Clark then take a drug Stanley on the sales call. Pam and Jim spend time talking with Nellie and Toby, respectively, about their marital troubles and couples counseling. Angela attends a private con- uh, excuse me. Angela attends a press conference with the senator who outs himself as gay on television, and shocking both her and Oscar, reveals his relationship with his chief of staff. Okay, so this episode made me feel like it was the old times again a little bit with the mm-hmm. stairmageddon. Oh yeah, hysterical, and how. Um, so, so, um, Dwight, I guess, has been telling them for a week or whatever that there's going to be, um, maintenance done on the elevator and he's posted signs and he's tried to, they they show him like a little, a piece where he's trying to show them how to go up the stairs, like how to use the stairs. And then, and then, um, when, um, I guess Aaron gets in and Stanley shows up. And he's just like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. This is terrible. And she's coaching him up the stairs. Like, come on, come on, you can do it. And he's just oh complaining. God. And then they have a bit where, you know, Oscar has some of the best, you know, normal person quotes in the show. Like when they do the, um, what do they call them? Cameos. It's not the cameo. What do they call it? When it's the interview, they're interviewing. Talking heads. Talking heads. When they do a talking head. Um, and he said something about, yeah, you know, this, like, he very seriously says, yeah, this is like stairmageddon. This is what we've been reduced to here that people think that climbing the stairs is like this or the end of the world, you know, equating it with an apocalypse. Yeah. (laughs) But I, I love some of the comments that Oscar has, but yeah, I think that part was just so funny and it was good to see this kind of humor again. Yeah. I love that um, I love that Dwight and Clark have to figure out how to get Stanley back up the stairs after a bull <laughs> well not not of their own doing but they come back and Stanley shoots himself with it and is like you got it you brought me down you gotta get me back up like good luck and just passes out <laughs> let's so deal with it crazy I just think is is Craziness. great um we continue to have more conflict with Jim and Pam and their uh, experience with with marriage counseling. Um, yeah, and then finally we, we learn that, uh, or we don't really learn, but the senator, Robert, admits that he's been having an affair, mm-hmm. um, but with his chief of staff. Yeah, so they're both Oscar. out. Yeah, so both Oscar and Angela are like, yeah, you've got to be kidding me. So, yeah. Oh, we also get um, Andy with his uh, talent agent. <laughs> Not-so-talent agent. <laughs> um, next episode is... Wait, I want to go back real quick. I just think it's just to make a comment about the the, the um, Jim, Jim Halpert and um, Pam's situation and how he talks, Jim talks to Toby about it. And Tony stick Toby. Tony, Tony, I know. Toby sticks up for Pam and says, "You know, it's really not fair yeah. what you're asking of her. You yeah. just you're you're wanting to do what you want to do and mm-hmm. just not giving her 
an amount of time. And yeah. I, I just, I really like that because, you know, he kind of crushed, crushed on Pam. And yeah. it's just really sweet to see him stick up for her. So I just wanted to say that. I like yeah. that. I it's think nice. Good, good part to it. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Next episode is Paper Airplane, directed by Jesse Peretz and written by Halstead Sullivan and Warren Lieberstein. Dwight and Angela participate in a paper airplane contest and compete against each other. Meanwhile, Andy prepares for a, for a potential acting job, and Jim and Pam utilize new skills that they learn in couples counseling. Okay, so this paper airplane contest is, like, super competitive, and Dwight ends up kind of throwing it because, well, he tries to throw it because he knows Angela needs the money because she's now divorcing the senator and is mm-hmm. on her own. But Angela realizes that Dwight's just pitying her. Cleo, no. Angela realizes that Dwight's just pitying her, so she won't let him win. Cleo, no! And so she has to, so she has to lose. Um... Andy does the eye wash scene again, just more discomfort. He does that eye wash scientific video. Mm-hmm. It's just, God, Andy, Andy's just a dumpster fire burning now, <gasps> honestly. <laughs> um, and then finally, we do get a good moment with Jim and Pam. They're trying to, to, um, work through things yeah and be open and honest with each other yeah yeah and and communicate um but but pam is still hurt and can't quite get past it yeah which i can you know i can understand and jim but jim says you know he thinks that that they should keep doing it and it's working i'm just gonna read the end of the long-term wikipedia synopsis here because i think it brings it up best so jim Jim leaves the office to return to his business, and he confesses to Pam that he thinks that their habits are helping and that they should keep them up. After he leaves, Pam runs after him to give him an umbrella. Jim takes the umbrella and then embraces his wife, who finds that she lacks the emotional conviction to hug him back. It then flashbacks to their wedding with their co-workers present, and she remembers that by marrying Jim, she promised to love him in spite of any hardships, and she lovingly embraces him and kisses him. On one hand, I'm like, it's nice that we have, like, some kind of reconciliation building here. On the other hand, it's like, yet again, Pam mm-hmm. is conceding mm-hmm. just because Jim's like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I love you, though. And she's like, okay, well, I'll put up with all the shit then. It's fine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, you wonder if Cleo has a lot to say right now. You wonder if she hadn't, like, put aside her feelings and, like, kind of hugged him back in that moment. If Jim would have ever done the thing that she needed to mm-hmm. like start building and being okay, yeah. like it it had to be her to take that step, um, which is just yeah, we're, frustrating. We're pretty unhappy with Jim at this. We're point. really unhappy with Jim. <laughs> we're just like, come on, maybe we're just bitter, but I also feel like you know relationships are fifty fifty, and it's so clearly uh, Pam's being really put to work here. Next episode. Next episode, then. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry. I thought you were going to re- read it. Oh, what did you hand her? She hit <laughs> Episode 21, Living the Dream, or Live in the Dream, directed by Jeffrey Blitz and written by Nikki Schwartz-Wright. 
Andy decides to pursue a career as a professional actor and quits his job at Dunder Mifflin. Meanwhile, Dwight finally receives his black belt in karate from his new sensei, and on the, on the behest of Jim, is promoted to regional manager of the Scranton branch. Jim, who reconnects with Pam, is promoted <laughs> promoted by Dwight to be the new assistant to the regional manager and makes it clear that he will choose her over Philadelphia. Angela is evicted from her apartment and temporarily moves in with Oscar, who she confesses her love for Dwight to. Wait, not only is she evicted from her apartment, but her cats are taken away by animal mm. control. Oh, How awful. How awful, awful is that? And she takes good care of her animals. She does. She loves them. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's sad. Um, but yeah. But we finally see her get to her point. Angela never admits her feelings and kind of lets herself follow her heart. She's more led by appearance and that sort of thing. Yes, Cleo, I do agree. Um, and she finally opens up to Oscar and is like, I love Dwight. Like, that's who I want to be with. I'm struggling right now. And like, that's what I want is to be with Dwight which I think is sweet. Um, and also, finally, we do get Jim's, like, Pam, you're the priority. Right. I will right. make some sacrifices and, like, we'll figure something out. Right. At a, at a certain point in time, you have yeah. to be, as they say, all in. Yeah. And, yeah. And then um, they're going to, the the company's going to go on the road and they want Jim to go. And jo- Jim's like, no, I'm not going to yeah. go. I have to do this for Pam. Yeah. And she hear she's listening in, I guess, on the conversation, so she hears yeah. him say that. Yeah. And yeah, so you know, it's so true. You, you know, it's different if you're in something together mm-hmm. and you're trying to build it together mm-hmm. versus one person that's off trying to build something and not paying attention to the family. I just uh it's a it can be a mess. Yeah. So it's really good to see, you know, him finally deciding that he's gotta make He's got to be in it with her, not just in it For on his own yeah. with, you know, with her back at home. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yep. And finally, Dwight is reaching his perfectenschlag, <laughs> where he is just all the success. He's got this wonderful uh, girlfriend or fiance at this point. I don't recall. He's got his black belt in karate. He's the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin. He sold the Scranton White Pages. Like, he is riding high. Living the dream. Living the dream as we head into the next episode. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Episodes 22 and 23, AARM, directed by David Rogers and written by Brent Forrester. Jim convinces Dwight that he needs to choose someone to act as an assistant to the assistant to the regional manager. The two subsequently hold tryouts for the position. After her daycare turns away her child, Angela is forced to bring her kid to work. Andy auditions for the next great acapella sensation. This episode guest stars Aaron Rodgers, Clay Aiken, Mark McGrath, Santa Gold, and Jessica St. Clair. So... Jim convinces Dwight that he needs this position, but he's like, no one can best inform the, you know, second in command to the, the first in command than the original first in command. So he convinces Dwight to be his own assistant to the assistant to the regional manager. I don't even understand that what that is. Oh my god. Um, which is just, oh my god. And then Dwight reaches final perfect in schlag. 
because <laughs> he does this whole thing with testing Angela's son since oh, he's in the office. With the paper? Yeah. Oh. He can tell that he likes the good paper, but then he gives him a check for a million dollars or a beat, and Philip chooses the beat. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's his son. But no, it's not only, it's it's that, that Philip has been eating the paper that Dwight has regarded as the most yes, flavorful. Yes, yes. So what the heck, Dwight? <laughs> and been... then the whole beat thing. But it I love this because you know they were meant to be together these yeah, two. Yeah. We're, uh, I mean, well, so so Dwight is convinced now that Philip is his son mm-hmm. and he tells Angela that he'll marry her if Philip is his son, but she says no, he's not. Um so Dwight's like, I don't, I don't know if I should propose to Angela because I kind of like have those feelings for her still, or if I should propose to Esther because she's the wide choice right now. Um, and Jim tells tells Dwight to essentially just follow his heart. So Dwight goes to propose to Angela. He follows her on the highway. They're speeding, and he puts his light on. He tells her to pull over, and they pull over, and he's like, I love you, and I want to be with you, and he proposes to her, and they're so happy. And then Angela tells him finally that. Philip is mm-hmm. his son mm-hmm. and that she just lied because she wanted him to really love her for her. Right. And not just be out of obligation. Right. Um, and it's just so sweet. Like, Dwight and Angela are my favorite couple in the office because they, you know, they started out rough, but they, like, go on their own journeys. They figure out what they need. And when they come together, they are truly, like, a loving couple who's supportive of each other, I, like, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, they know each other. They understand each other. And they're there to support each other, which is everything that you need. Um, but this is just the best. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole season. It's just so yeah, sweet. Yeah, I like it's it too. Best. A lot. Um, Daryl's goodbye. He's leaving to go full-time in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, excuse me. And he doesn't want to like have a goodbye with everybody. So they do the dance. And he kind of dances with everybody one last time to Boogie Wonderland, Mm -hmm. I think. (laughs) And, oh, God, it's just so sweet. Like, we're getting all these, like, really sweet moments now. We're in the second to last episode. Technically, it's four episodes in two hours that I've covered this last uh, bit of the show. But, oh, man, it's so sweet. Um, But then Daryl kind of talks to Pam, and, and he's talking about how successful the company is and how you know it's sad that Jim isn't there anymore and and Pam immediately is like well like starts feeling that guilt of shoot maybe I, I should have you know put my uh, tried to create a better situation that would have let him do you know what what he wanted to do but Jim pulls through pulls through and uh tells her like no I'm all in with you you are the most important thing like there is nothing that you know is more important than you and our family and like I will make that a priority it's like yes Jim yes go for it um and he gives her a card or a note that was originally in a teapot that he had given her in the first season or the second season right Christmas episode and um Jenna Fisher, the actress who plays Pam, talked about that, and John Krasinski, who plays Jim, had written her a note about how he felt about their time on The Office together and how important and special it was to him, and that's, like, 
what made her cry Mm -hmm. truly was because it was really a heartfelt letter um and then they you know things are patched up there um and then andy god andy oh my god he um auditions for essentially like america's american idol but acapella version and goes viral because it's so freaking embarrassing (laughs) well we find out that he's gonna go viral later but he he throws a whole fit and it's so bad and then the team gets together and they're getting ready to watch their show almost at the end it's so sad anything else no Mm-mm. all right finale written by greg daniels and directed by ken Quapis. let me read the plot one year after the airing of the documentary past and present employees of dunder mifflin gather for dwight and angela's wedding dwight initially chooses jim to be his best man but michael scott shows up and takes his place Finally, everyone comes together for a final round of interviews, during which Erin reunites with her biological parents and everyone is brought to tears. This episode guest stars Steve Carell, Rachel Harris, Dakota Johnson, Joan Cusack, Sandal Ramamurthy, Ed Ed Begley Jr., Malcolm Barrett, Matt L. Jones, Bill Hader, Seth Meyers, and Nancy Carell. So many people, my goodness. All right, so the documentary has aired um and the crew is back to get some dvd bonus features dwight and angela it's like the weekend of their wedding um and we're really excited so we're kind of seeing everyone come in for the wedding so like we go to the airport and we see nelly um coming in she's been out in europe and uh toby had moved to new york and has like a bunch of roommates and (laughs) is trying to be an author um we see andy who's been working at cornell and he comes in stanley retired like an oscar did you say oscar yet oscar's running for oh yeah oscar's running for office state senate um and it's philip's godfather which is really sweet adorable um creed is oh i didn't realize this Oh, hold on. He had faked his death, but then he was revealed to be a wanted fugitive, so Dwight replaced him with former employee Devin Lloyd. Oh my gosh, okay, so Devin was originally on the first few episodes of The Office, but then they determined that they needed to cut a character, so it was either going to be Devin or Creed, and I found this all out from the Office Ladies podcast with uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. Mm Mm-hmm. Devin ended up having like a filming schedule or a rehearsal schedule for a play, so they just fired Devin and kept Creed. But so it's nice that he's kind of getting his comeback moment um, and getting back to the office. That's really sweet. Um, but yeah, like everybody is just so scattered. Daryl's succeeding in Philadelphia. Um, they're opening a branch in Texas. Phyllis is doing well, um, but she's kind of dealing with uh, her new desk mate now that stanley's retired kevin was fired <laughs> for poor performance um and now runs a bar a local bar um and oh man it's just everybody's in various states of how well they're doing but kind mm-hmm. of in very fitting situations um so anyway so this whole situation is jim 
or everybody getting ready for the wedding and, and then the wedding, but Jim is Dwight's best man, and he has to do guten pranken, <laughs> good surprises, for Dwight's bachelor party. <laughs> so he does a couple different things. <laughs> he fires the bazooka. <laughs> they go to the restaurant, and there's the stripper there who's always the stripper in the show <laughs> whenever, mm-hmm. they, whenever they have one. And... <laughs> And so she's there, but she's trying to, like, dance on Dwight, and Dwight thinks that she's the waitress, and so he's trying to, like, give her their order, and it's just, oh, man, it's so uncomfortable. Um, And then what ends up happening is that at Angela's bachelorette party, Mose comes along and kidnaps Angela. What the heck? For a tradition where Dwight has to find his bride, and then when he finds her, he takes her to a bar, and then he buys everybody drinks. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> Can you imagine being kidnapped by Moe's? Oh my god. I would have been scared. I would have been terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Angela gets taken, but while Angela's at her bachelorette party, they have a stripper who turns out to be Meredith's son. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, and Meredith's like, no, 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 like, don't let me bother you. Like, you're doing great. And then she's kind of, like, showing him how to do stuff. And she's like, oh my god, <laughs> Meredith just <laughs> never changed, never changed. Oh my god, it's so uncomfortable. Um, But then, you know, we kind of get, like, such a nice wrap-up when they, they all meet up and they find Angela and <laughs> they pull Angela out of the trunk and she immediately goes like, what the? No, <laughs> she's pissed but then it ends up okay and they they have a nice night and um they also end up at kevin's bar so they kind of have a heart to heart and get get that resolved um the bad blood between dwight and kevin because kevin was fired so anyway so then after all the uh, you know bachelorette and bachelor party shenanigans we have two major events one is the wedding and then the other is a panel of the cast members for the office so that um people fans of the show can come and ask questions and and learn more um so we kind of get a bunch of different things here but the most significant thing to me is that aaron's birth parents suspect that she's their daughter and they show up and have a great scene and she kind of you know is like aaron like you know i have a question like would you if your mother was, like, out there and, like, thought that you, you know, whatever and, and wanted to meet you, like, would you say yes? And she's like, yes, absolutely. And then she's like, Aaron, like, it's me. And Aaron kind of, like, puts the pieces together and runs out. And then her dad kind of stands up and is like, what about, you know, your dad? Aww. And it's just such a sweet yeah. moment to see that she's got this this family. And, you know, she's, she's you know, her and Pete are, like, a Jim and Pam the next generation we already said that in this episode but like to see Aaron you know also has some of the same issues of Pam of of not standing up for herself and not kind of going after what she wants in certain cases but it's like you see it a little bit improved here because she's like she's got her family she stood up to Andy and got the partner that she wanted Mm -hmm. and is treated well Mm -hmm. and like you know, you see things coming together and you're just really happy for her. Um, yeah, it's sweet. But then we also have a little bit of foreshadowing here where 
someone brings up to Pam, they're like, how could you, you know, Jim does so much for you. Like, what do you ever do to repay him? And I mean, we're like, oh, no. oh my God, no, Jim does not. <laughs> but, um, you know, all the women are like, yeah, I'd, I'd do anything for him. Like, you know, just kind of being creepy. And Pam's like, well, you know, like, he does do a lot for me, but I've got, I've got something in the works, you know, to just kind of like mm-hmm. putting it off. So then we go to the wedding. Kelly's there again. She's got her fiance that she went to Ohio with. And Ryan shows up. Okay, this thing with Ryan is probably just such an appropriate twist to what should happen to Ryan's character. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. He's been abandoned with the baby. (laughs) Yes, his old girlfriend has left his baby son with him. Yep. And just gone away. Not not his baby. Oh, I thought it was his. No, it's... No, it's it's his son. Oh. It's his son... And that's the whole thing is that he's been so irresponsible and flaky and whatever. I didn't realize it was Ryan's yeah. son. I yeah. just thought it was a girlfriend's child and he didn't have any connection. Well, either to him. way. Oh my god. <laughs> now that it's his son, I just hate Ryan all the more. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. Yep, so there you go, Ryan. Oh my god. Uh, it's well, not somebody you can just, you know, Throughout the course of the wedding, though, of course, he ends up passing the child off, and then him and Kelly run away into the sunset <laughs> together one final time. <laughs> Just like, oh, my God. Um, oh, Jesus. All right. <laughs> then Jim tells Dwight that he can't be his best man. And then he says, but someone else is here for you. And it's Michael Scott. And it's just ugh, the best. Yeah. So such a sweet reunion. Yeah. Um, so they have the wedding, and, and I love the, there's a talking head where Pam goes, like, Michael has so many pictures of his kids that he bought two phones yes, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, just yeah. like, you're so happy for Michael, uh-huh. and that he and Holly have this family that they've wanted, and it's just so sweet, and so nice to see. And then we've got Stanley, who comes back from his retirement, and he's with Phyllis again, and he made her this little statue of her, like, it's shaped like a bird. Because that's all he does now is just sits on the dock and makes carvings of birds <laughs> in his peaceful retirement. And, oh, my gosh, they they miss each other, and they're so happy. Um, and then, so Ryan leaves the baby with Robbie, um, and then Robbie says to give the baby to child services and leaves. But Nellie sees the opportunity and is like, no, this is my baby. This is... <laughs> The creepiest thing. It kind of is creepy. <laughs> like, yeah. Kelly and Ryan, really? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. After everything, and then to leave his child, I mm-hmm. just, I don't even know. But then Nellie is like, if you need us, we'll be somewhere in Eastern Europe. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> or Western Europe or something. It's it's just funny. Um, but, you know, Nellie finally gets the child that well, she's wanted, and, and it seems like she's so excited and just loves him, so it's a funny... A weird but fitting ending for them. And then Jim and Pam are leaving the wedding and and they go back home. And they run into a realtor who's showing their house. Mm -hmm. And Pam reveals that she's been showing the house because she wants him to go to Athlete in Austin and that she's ready to move and Mm -hmm. and, um, make this change and make this big gesture. And it's like, you know... On one hand, you're like, 
a little fr- I'm well at least from my perspective I'm a little frustrated because it's like she's still having to get up give up something but on the other hand it's kind of like that episode where she's like really proud of herself for the elevator prank on Dwight yeah yeah she's like doing what she kind of does best and like finally like really standing up for like and doing something significant mm-hmm. like she really struggles with making significant moves throughout the series mm-hmm. so it's like she's making a huge one here yeah I mean, she could have just just stayed there forever. Yeah. Had Jim just stay there forever, he would have done that. Yeah. But just that she, kind of had to come to terms with it all. Mm-hmm. Kind of then, you know, you know how anything if you know, sometimes something ha- happens you don't really want it to work out this way, but you kind of think it through in your head, and then you can kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, this is actually going to be a good thing. Yeah. You know, and that's what she did here. And I think it's nice, like. In this, it's it's obvious that Jim, you know, wants to move to Austin. And I think, obviously this is going to be kind of contrary to what I've been saying throughout this episode about the relationship. But I think in a good relationship, you'll do anything for that person. But that person is never going to take advantage of that and ask you to do everything for them. Right. Like, you will move out mountains to take care of them. But, like, they're not going to push you to do that because they respect you and your needs as well. So I think this is a really good example of that where you know jim obviously wants to move jim obviously wants to be a part of that but he finally is like respecting pam enough not to to ask that but pam is like this so it it becomes pam's decision then and she's like i care about you and i want us to like make this change Mm -hmm. so that's sweet um and then our last return to the office pam unveils her mural and it's the entire office and all the different people who we've met throughout the show painted there. It's really sweet. Um, and then Jim and Pam kind of tell Daryl, and Daryl's all excited that he's going to have his buddy Jim back. And and then Dwight comes over, and uh, they they tell Dwight, they're trying to tell him, and then Dwight's like, no, 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 and he fires them instead so he can give them severance packages so that, you know, they get a little boost, which is really sweet. Um, and then they, uh, they go up together to the office away from the hubbub around the, the mural and they find Creed there who's been living in Ryan's, like the hall closet there Mm -hmm. and he sings them a little song on the guitar and it's a really sweet moment. And then the next scene is you see him getting arrested. Um, and then we all... I feel like I should just read through this on Wikipedia because we get these last talking heads from all of them. Yeah. Kevin states that if you film someone long enough, they will do something stupid, <laughs> which is so true. Like three minutes, <laughs> yeah. Kevin? Like three you, minutes. You could film me for an hour <laughs> and there'd be something stupid in there for sure. <laughs> Dwight talks about how well he has gotten along with his subordinates. He's, he says, you know, one of them was the best man <laughs> at my so wedding. Funny. and One of them is now my wife. And Pam is my best friend. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so sweet that, yeah. you know, you see him, even though he still views people as his subordinates, like, he really does love them. Um, Andy wishes for a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them, that's, which is, like... That's so sad. Everybody has painful. that thing in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think of, you know, when you guys were little, mm-hmm. those were just the good old days. I just yeah. miss that. 
But then you have to remember, you know, whatever you're doing now is at some point also going to yeah. be the good old days. I, I think that's so true. It's, it's sweet like, sentiment. It's, it's so nice yeah. to look back and reflect on, like, positive memories that you've had in different places. But then it's also, like, a reminder that whatever you're doing right now could also be the good old days, you know? Like, you might be, like, because Andy spent his entire time at the office, really, thinking about his time at Cornell and his acapella group mm-hmm. and, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff just to find out that the time he was actually having while he was thinking about that is now his favorite time to reflect on. So it's like an interesting reminder to continue looking at, you know, your situation and and enjoy everything day to day. Because even now Andy is in his dream job at Cornell (laughs) and is, you know, a popular, like, you know, viral sensation that, you know, is embarrassing, but people also kind of love him for it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's... He, he might have a whole new wonderful adventure that is then his favorite time. So hopefully that it, things work out for him. Um, Oscar notes that you can make something special out of the ordinary. And I think that's definitely true. Aaron is astounded that the documentary crew perfectly documented their lives and asks how cameras work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aaron. <laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> Daryl reflects that for all the time he spent wanting to leave work, it feels so hard to leave right now. And we talked about that before when you quit your job to stay home with us for a period of time and, you know, all you wanted was to go stay home with us, but that last day that you left work was, like, so hard, you know? It's, like, it's hard to walk away. And I think I've been like that in several positions where, like, I think about when I worked at my theme park job, my most recent one, and... You're on your feet for 10 hours a day. Guests are mean to you. You're hungry. You're tired. Like, you're not making good money. It's exhausting. And, like, every day you're just like, I'm so tired. But now it's like I reflect back on that. Like, that was so much fun. You mean, you know, you like when I left Stevie? Yeah, I was talking about when you. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's so true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I worked so hard at that job, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of, you know, in, in different positions, there are a lot of long hours and away from you guys but it, it is hard I mean there were so many good people that was probably the best job I ever had yeah um just the best company I ever had the the, the people I mean I mm-hmm. started there when there were like a hundred wow. people and by the time I left there was thousands that's crazy ten thousand something like that um and yeah it's really it's hard it's hard to let the family go there yeah um and then at the my last job mm-hmm. I was there what 14 14 years mm-hmm. um it was a little different because we moved around a lot like yeah. we were in different offices and I sat with different people and sort of some of my friends had already gone and so that was a little different yeah but yeah it's it's hard when you build a family mm-hmm. at work it's just hard when you like I mean I reflect so fondly on my experience yeah. at the park even like I recognize how difficult it was and how much I might not have liked it day to day but mm-hmm. overall it's like what a special experience to have had mm-hmm. um, and you're really grateful for it so it's hard to leave when you do have to leave um Creed I mean I cried on my last shift so it's yeah, really hard to leave I know. Creed talks about how humans have the odd ability to make a place their home and then is shown being led away by the police <laughs> <laughs> um but that really is true. Like, we, we have a way to just kind of settle in. We find a way to just settle into different places in a, in a really unique way. 
uh, Meredith is glad to have shared her story. Oh, oh my god, I forgot to mention that earlier at the, at the, uh, the panel. She talks about how she was getting her PhD in, like, something, some kind of education oh, the mm-hmm. entire time. So she's like, I was in college. Like, mm-hmm. of course I was drinking, I was partying, I was in college. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh Meredith. But it's funny to have that extra dimension yeah. to her. Um, but she mentioned she's like, for any, you know, partier, like, kind of you know, lady out there, like, I'm here, I'm one of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Meredith. Um... Phyllis is glad she can remember everything that everyone did. And it's she's such a sweetheart, mm-hmm. and it's such a sweet thing. She's like, you know, she's just so happy to be able to look back on this time. Um, Jim tearfully talks about seeing his life story of finding love and family and how despite the often boring and frustrating work, he owes everything he has to this job. And he has a severe moment because, you know, he did spend all these episodes just kind of blowing everything off and... You know, it turned out to be the thing that was the keystone to him finding his life. Um, and then I love this quote. Pam ends the series by stating, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? Which we'd kind of talked about before um, several episodes ago of just how, like, there's such a, a great, wonderful thing in taking this situation of a American workplace and making it into something amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a, an office. It's just a workplace comedy. Like, it's not superheroes and paranormal or, like, anything kind of mm-hmm. out of the box mm-hmm. and out of the ordinary. Um, but it's just such a lovely, wonderful show and really heartfelt. Um, finally, Pam takes her watercolor of the office building that Michael bought her bought from her in the third season episode Business School, followed by stock footage of Michael Scott hanging the watercolor next to the regional manager's office, which then transitions into the closing shot of the actual Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Scranton branch building. So, be off. What a great show. What yeah. a great show. 10 out of 10. Loved it. It's really Loved good. It. There's a lot of heart. I think one mm-hmm. thing that sticks with me about this is, again, from uh, the Office Ladies podcast, they talk about how every episode, they just wanted to, like, they had overall plot lines and arcs and stuff that they wanted to happen, but every episode, they just developed the characters a little bit. Just push them a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? You don't have, like, drastic changes, really, from episode to episode, aside from the year time jump, you know? Um we it's really reflective of just like slowly getting there with life you know mm-hmm. um i just think that's they did a really good job of, of developing these characters and making them into a group of people who really are fun to watch yeah and you know this is one of those shows that you can watch over and over again oh my God, and yeah. you there's always something that you missed some line right oh, yeah. there are so many people that can quote lines from these shows that are just great lines, and I, I would, I wish I could watch it just over and over and over again. Yeah. To hear it all, it's like certain movies, like my one of my favorite movies, "It's a Wonderful Life." Mm-hmm. I could still find something in that movie after I've, I must have watched it a hundred times. I mean, honestly, <laughs> probably a hundred times. Well, yeah. maybe fifty. Fifty. Probably 75. more than that. Are you I don't know, me? but. Uh, Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe more like There's a lot more than that. But, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, 
I, there's things I still have missed, you know, little things here and there. But yeah, this has so many great lines, so many, mm -hmm. so many funny parts. Oh, just yeah, it's a great, great show. What's your What's your one takeaway from this show? I don't know. I guess it's just how shared experiences can make you into a family, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you know, just like in an office with people where they have all different personalities you can still get along and still love each other and you know yeah because you're all there for a common common purpose, purpose more or less i yeah. think mine is a combination of both like what andy and pam said like appreciate you know the time that you're in because you might spend it reflecting on other stuff but you're really missing the stuff that's right in front of you right um and at the same time appreciate it even if it's ordinary you know mm -hmm. it's like you might go from I don't know driving a race car and now you're walking down the street right like mm -hmm. just a small example and so you might be like oh I wish I was driving my race car right now but you miss out then on the, the kind of nice ordinary simplicity mm -hmm. of, of walking down the street mm -hmm. you know so okay yeah. so we are going to be back next week with a fun new show that are do we want to do we want to say what we're gonna do or are we still deciding <laughs> we're gonna i do think it? we decided but maybe we should wait no go ahead we're gonna do grace and frankie also on netflix oh i guess the office isn't even on netflix right now as of this recording <laughs> but we're gonna be watching the netflix show grace and frankie starring lily tomlin and jane fonda okay so let me just say a couple things lily tomlin have loved her ever since I was little, and I saw her on Laughing. Have loved her. I've seen her in person. Love her. You saw her in person? Yeah, I saw oh, her I in person. That. She had a she had a I think it was a one woman show. Oh it was God. down in, in it was in Cincinnati. Oh. Um, Jane Fonda. At first, I didn't like her, but and I don't know why. I think it was just you know a lot of history like there. Media stuff. A yeah. lot of history. Um, yeah, but. You know, I've just grown to like. I I think she is the best. She she's is a boss, such. Girl. She's awesome. She's. You know, I think she she. I mean, obviously, I don't know her, so I can't you know say that about her. But I love her work. I think she she is just so talented. She seems to work so hard. She is just super. And the characters that I've, you know, and the, the roles I've seen her in, in which I've seen her. Um, so I love her. I love both these women. I think they're just great. This Jane, is just such a great show. Jane Fonda recently has really gotten a reputation for her. I mean, obviously, she's always been an activist, obviously. But, mm -hmm. like, from at least, like, my generation has gotten some significant rec recognition because of her, like, uh, sustainability activism and, like, She's said I'm, like, no longer going to buy, like, new, like, clothes for award shows and stuff like that. Like, I'm going to rewear my old dresses instead of wasting money and, like, time on new stuff. So she's holding true to that and rewearing old clothes and, you know, not giving into that major, you know, mm -hmm. uh, wastefulness of the fashion industry. And um, she's been arrested several times, you know, protesting at the White House, you know, trying to advocate for climate stuff and, and sustainability maybe stuff. Maybe I need to get a in contact with her. Yeah, maybe. She, maybe. She actually, I think I did, actually, I think I did send an email to their show. 
I can't remember if I sent it to each of them or if I sent it to the show. Yeah. To ask them to do a, a, um, I, I really to support the ALS cause, but I wish they would do a, like a, maybe a, a show on it. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and so this show, I don't, I can't even remember how many seasons there are, but we've heard that this upcoming season is their final. So I know it's, it's, it hits on a lot of Mm -hmm. good life, um, life topics for older people, particularly my favorite, yeah, my favorite thing about it too, is that it's like, I feel like people so often, like we treat our elders kind of like cutesy. And, like, you know, oh, like, my grandma's so cute. And, like, you know, they're just kind of, like, invalids and, you know, can't do anything. Or, or they, all they have to offer is baking cookies. and Yeah, but, you know, most of them are badasses. I know. I mean, really. that's, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. So, it's, like, you know, it's nice to see a presentation of a, an older community that's, like, they're showing, you know, you know, your, your golden years aren't just about retiring and and hanging out with your grandkids or whatever like you can well start not that that's not great because i wouldn't do that but 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 like in the show we see it's like you can start a business like you can find love again i mean they're in their 70s in the show and they're dating and and you know potentially you know and and dealing with all these different things and it's like life you know can still be so rich and wonderful um and changing Mm -hmm. you know even at that point like Mm -hmm. I saw something uh, recently that was talking about how um, just because you invested time into something, you shouldn't necessarily continue it. And the example that was brought up was this guy who's like, I spent eight years preparing to become a lawyer, and then I became a lawyer, and I hated it. And I told like my family and my friends, and they said, well, you've already spent eight years doing it. Like, you're investing your time, just keep doing it. And he's like, so then I was a lawyer for 50 years, and I hated it. And now I've wasted my time. And it's like, you know, that may be the point, but like, don't, like, you can reinvent yourself. You can do new things. You can try new things. Like, don't get stuck in something just because that's your preconceived notion of what should happen. Okay. So I had that experience too. When I, I was, got my computer science bachelor's and then I went to, got, I got my MBA. And in one of my last classes, I loved the class, loved this class. And I thought, I think I might want to change what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I went to the professor of the class and I said hey you know what do you think you know what would you suggest and he goes oh you've already been you know you have your other degree you're already working in the field you know it's too it's too late he literally was like you it's too late for you to change I was like 30 years old 20 maybe 29 years old yeah and he's telling me oh it's too late late." yeah no I you know yeah that's stupid yeah. But yeah, so did you you change though, right? That's... No, no, I oh. I, st- I stuck stuck with what I was doing. What was the last? It was course. tax accounting. Oh jeez. Okay, so maybe... I loved it. I know, but I loved it. I loved it. I feel like that time crunch would not have been good to you though. I loved it. Well, but you know, I would have worked twenty four seven. Yeah, that's, that's true. You probably probably does. But anyway, I think I was gonna say I thought you were gonna talk about how you did computer science and you were originally doing like a lot of coding but now you're doing oh. project management more well so. actually I loved coding yeah. I really did like it because I at the time you know I was really shy mm-hmm. pretty much and I liked just working on my I, I like logic puzzles yeah and kind of that's the way I would always think about it mm-hmm. I love doing that um but I like logic puzzles too you should do 90 games 
we can talk about that now. But then, yeah, but then I got into, like, being a manager, and I find that very stressful, and I, I took a lot of, like, I really felt a lot of responsibility for the people that that I was managing. Yeah. And that was, it was just a drain on me. Yeah. And, you know, and I had a couple other jobs that were just a real drain. And then, yeah, when I started project managing, it just seemed like, there were places that I fit in really well mm-hmm. because there are a lot of things I could still do together. And even when I was first managed projects, I didn't have a lot of, you know, I didn't have a lot of times where I had to be constantly meeting with people. Not like today. Yeah. Like today I have eight meetings in a day mm-hmm. and it's a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot of, you know, but, um, you know, I, I mean, I could, I found the things that I like to do within within yeah. the field um but yeah there are some some jobs that were harder than others it's hard to be responsible for people yeah you know i mean you really are you're responsible and then you know if i could digress a little bit you know being a manager you know you're responsible for, for writing reviews and for getting them you know raises and good rankings if they you know deserve it and you know if yeah. you if you have to negotiate for your person to be ahead of someone else and you truly believe that your person is the top ranked person and you don't you don't win the fight or the argument or the discussion mm-hmm. you know if you feel like you let that person down mm-hmm. and so it's a hard it's a hard thing to manage people yeah. um, to 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 be responsible for, for 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 folks i mean i had a great team at the time and i don't know it was it was tough yeah. i did, took a lot it wore a lot on me i don't like having to <laughs> You know, worry about uh, representing people and making sure they're yeah, they're getting right. everything they deserve. You know. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Of the story. So it's good Grace to and showcase. Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. Good to showcase all the the things that can happen in in later years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just because you lose youth doesn't mean you lose your uh, fun for life. Yeah, and who doesn't love these two people too? I oh, actually yeah, joined a great. Facebook Facebook group for Grace and Frankie. I just yeah. I just. Well, yeah. as we go across, too, they deal with so many different, like, setbacks and stuff that can happen to older groups of people mm-hmm. and, like, navigate it and you know, fun ways, and it shows, like, how they persevere through through stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really good to see. Yeah. So it'll be a fun show to cover. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to see if the last season comes out before we <laughs> finish the other episodes yeah. or I'll not. I'll have to start rewatching. Maybe we'll have to cover it with something else. Maybe we can do Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although I know you dislike yeah. Richardson. Well, I like part of it. It's just like the kind of same old, same old Lego. Maybe we can do a movie or something in the middle of all that oh, if we can't. Let's do It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. You can, White no. Christmas or one of those. Oh. That I, the old ones that I like. Oh, The Shining. Oh my God, we can't do The Shining. It's oh, too scary. It's too scary. We'll figure it out. We'll find ways to fill the time if the last season of Grace and Frankie isn't out yet. But Okay. <laughs> So this has been The Office. We'll see you next time with a new show. And uh, one final note, please go support imals.org. They're a really great organization that's helping to hashtag end ALS um, and create some treatments and cures for these patients who really need them. So that's iamals.org. If you want to go out and support them, that'd be really much appreciated. This this organization truly 
is fighting for the people with ALS mm -hmm. and fighting to find cures and fighting to get um, people who have ALS uh, um, trial drugs now. Um, as yeah. you know, it's a fatal disease. And there, it's you have zero percent chance of living with ALS. Um, there's no right treatment now. whatsoever right now. So the IMALS.org folks are really fighting hard to get new legislation passed to um, to allow these patients, again, who have zero chance, at least some chance yeah. to live. Um, it's the, it's a, a fantastic organization. And I think um, I really want to touch on this really quick, too. You know, even if you don't have ALS, there's a lot of people out there, potentially whoever's listening to this right now, who mm -hmm. um, individuals who are dealing with other quote-unquote rare diseases, um, diseases that are as complicated as ALS and difficult to diagnose or don't have treatments or cures, um, diseases, chronic illnesses, all that kind of stuff um, that struggles with having to advocate for themselves and mm -hmm. having to do a lot of research and, and you know, fight for your, your medical care um, with your doctors and all that kind of stuff. And um, if you're in that situation, uh, I Am ALS is a patient-led organization they are not um, putting the decision making powers into the hands of people who don't have this illness and people who um, are in this for some kind of business interest they are really putting patients first and allowing patients to determine the next steps in this fight and you know lead this movement which i think is really important because that's um, a tone that we want to be followed in advocacy organizations like AML, amls as well as you know, in just patient care mm -hmm. in the future. So. Yeah, and let me let me just like expand on that a little bit mm -hmm. for folks who don't don't understand. So when you're given a diagnosis um, of ALS, most physicians are are handle it the way they're taught in med school, and that is to tell the patient you have two to five years to live, get your things your things in order, go through your bucket list. But, but prepare yourself and we will do everything we can to assist you, to help you, to, you know, when you need a feeding tube, you'll get it. When, you know, when you need a breathing machine, we're going to help you um, because that's what they're taught. But they're, the, the organizations that are really fighting for the patient are patient-led organizations. There's no <laughs> other organization that fights for patients there's no other organization that that truly gives hope mm -hmm. to ALS patients besides the patient-led organizations like IMALS.org mm -hmm. um, so um, and no more excuses mm -hmm. um, another organ great organization um, they're actually you know in there giving hope to people with ALS mm -hmm. as I said and and I I can't stress that enough that there is no other organization out there that does that do. for ALS yeah. um, it's a it's a there it's a st really strange um, disease where you are sort of on your own until you find these organizations mm -hmm. you're on your own fighting for your life um, until you find these organizations like IMALS.org and, and no more excuses so just uh, wanted to kind of yeah. explain that a little bit it's not like you know if I had cancer if I had a tumor um, you know, it's, it's, looks really bad, but we're going to try this and we're going to try that and we're going to try chemo. That's not, that mm -hmm. there's nothing to try. 
There's nothing. They, well, it's not that there's nothing to try. It's that doctors and physicians refuse to well, explore those avenues. Well, let me let me say, there's only two drugs right now that are approved for ALS. Mm-hmm. And they only will potentially extend your life a month or two. So if they follow what they've been taught, that is what they're going to, going to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are some ways that that patients can get other drugs that are already approved by the FDA, but it's sometimes very complicated. And most, I want to say most doctors do not support that avenue because that's Mm -hmm. not what they're taught. So I kind of have to like explain that a little bit, right? But then there are some doctors who are um, very aggressive and will try other FDA approved drugs for ALS patients if they think it if if there have been studies that indicate it will help yeah or could help i think this kind of be a little bit out there right now but i think um organizations like that grid this are great for patients dealing with AML, with als and we want you to go support that but i think even on a small scale level this is about if you're in med school advocating for yours because i've seen so much stuff recently about how med school patients are really just pushed to the brink and how likely they are to have major like mental health issues and be like suicidal and all this stuff this is about advocating for you in med school so that you can be a better doctor and be better able to support these patients who are dealing with life-changing illnesses um you know this is if you can't donate money to imals Share a tweet and then be a self-advocate when you're in your school. Be an advocate for your peers. Um, If you are dealing with another type of illness or chronic illness or um, a rare disease or anything like that, be, you know, this is about, again, please support IMALS, but be an advocate for yourself. Stand up for yourself, you know. Push your doctors. Like, we collectively have to make that movement to change the... um, the empathy and the the heart within healthcare, because while there are some truly angelic, wonderful people who are doing good things, I think so often people can get wrapped up, especially when they're working with diseases like ALS and just kind of a a robotic pattern, um, and that's you know got to stop. We got to treat every patient with respect and dignity, and, and and every do everything that can be done to explore options and take advantage of them do trials do treatments do experiments all that kind of stuff um and try to try to help people as they come in individually um that's my little my my yeah we can talk more about it next time (laughs) this is my soapbox for the day we can talk yeah we can let's change the field of healthcare to be a much more positive one and maybe by the time we record next we'll hear more so yeah last um Last Congress, we were trying to get some bills passed um, in the federal government to, you know, give to give people give the thirty plus thousand people yeah. with ALS, uh, you know, some hope um, by access to these trial drugs. But um, because of everything going on in the government, you know, they didn't have time or yeah. focus to vote to save the lives of people with ALS. So we are going to be trying to get uh, a new legislation we have to get the bills renumbered um, for the 117th congress in the u.s and so once we do we're going to be fighting Mm -hmm. again to get um, access to trial drugs for those people 
um, who need it. Um, it's very sad that that they don't already have this this uh, bill in place, these bills in place, because it truly could save lives. Um, and uh, all that information, links to IMALS and that kind of stuff, will be in our social media channels. Uh, appropriate information will be in our our show notes and all that kind of stuff. So. Google bad binges and you'll find <laughs> the resources you need or go ahead and Google IMALS.org and you'll be taken right to everything that you need as well, including resources to reach out to your, your government officials if you're in the United States um, or potentially resources for other nations around the world mm-hmm. and lots of other advocacy going on there. And mm-hmm. if you're listening in another country, the things that you do there could help impact things across Absolutely. the world. So, Absolutely. you know, definitely support your local communities um, as well. Yep. And I think that's... Where we're gonna end it. Okay. Have a, a God good bless rest you guys. Week. Yeah, take care of yourselves in this COVID winter craziness. <laughs> <laughs> and Cleo would like to snore you a little goodbye. Let's, let's see if I can get her to. <laughs> oh, she woke up. She we only got one snore out of her. She says goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Cleo says goodbye. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.